Attention to roll call. Welcome to the 265 Police Live Series. Brought to you by the New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide expert analysis of past and present law enforcement related events with a trained eye. Listen to the boots on the ground weigh in on the court of public opinion. What's up, everybody? Welcome to New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. I'm here again with the most complained about cop, Eric Dim, who just knocked his phone over and I can't see him. There he goes. Uh, we're doing another episode of the 265 Police Live series. We are the experts. We're going to bring you some up-to-date news. Uh, we're going to get started today on the vaccine mandate updates uh, because the last audios that we got that came out of the PBA meetings, the delegate was so kind to shut his phone off right before they started talking about the vaccine mandates. So, you know, it's a shame that people don't care about it. People don't know what's going on. You know, even on the job, people are in the dark. So we're going to give you the up-to-date news here. Um, We're going to let you know what's going on exactly with the vaccine mandate right now. We're going to go into a few other things on this episode. But uh, right now, as it stands... Um, we had a, a, a decision come down from the Office of Labor Relations. Uh, decision comes down, and it basically says that the city was required to negotiate through arbitration. Okay, and everyone's asking what that means. The city was required to negotiate this standing through arbitration. That the way, basically, the way they implemented the vaccine mandate is illegal as far as contractually and violating labor law. It violates a lot of other law, which I've explained numerous times. It violates your religious freedom rights. It violates your bodily autonomy. It violates numerous portions of it violates numerous portions of the United States Constitution. It's a violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VII. It vi- the way that they went about um, doing religious exemptions. Um, they violated all of that, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and they violated their own policy. The NYPD and all city agencies violated their own OEO policies in regards to this. They did not adhere to what they had written on paper. They did not adhere not only to their policies, but also the federal, city, and state OEO law. So we're going to get into that today here, uh, but we're going to. I just wanted to let you guys know what that what that what that meant by the Office of Labor Relations. Basically, that decision is only related to your contract and only related to the city having to bargain. The city can't just come in and say, you're going to put this in your arm because Eric Adams is a great guy and he told you so. Uh, Eric, what do you got on that? Did you see that decision? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean that's why... I- you and I were talking about this before. I, I even remember when Governor Holschel had a message and she said that those that took the vaccine were the smart ones. So this is the message that we're sending people. It's not about your religious exemption. I don't think that holds any weight in this. They're saying that if you take the vaccine, you're the smart one. So what, what does that mean? Evidentially, that means that if you don't take it, you're the stupid ones. I mean, honestly, I don't think that these religious exemptions ever held any weight. There was never actual an opinion on this. 
I, I think that this comes down to if you're getting if you're getting an exemption, there's some type of nepotism in there. You have some type of connection or network to get that. Because I think the ultimate goal is everything that you and I have been talking about. Even Adams had just put out a message that the city is headed for an economic tsunami. I think that this vaccine mandate is correlated to that. I think that the the, the financial crisis that he's preparing the residents of New York City, which I think his early talking points about it now is getting everyone prepared for it. But I do think the vaccine mandate is a complete nexus to this financial crisis. And I think that this vaccine mandate was, honestly, if you really think about it, a brilliant way to remove uniform uniform personnel from the city to assist in this financial crisis that they claim to have. Um, there was a platform, a blueprint that uh, Adams had campaigned on how he was going to get the city in, in, in the right direction. Clearly, we've gotten away from that. We're spending money. I mean, I think we're spending money in, in some ridiculous places. And, and and that's the problem, unfortunately. Sometimes when it comes to uh, democratic policies, we I, I find we see that, hey, they have a bank, let's say rhetorically speaking, let's say we have $10 million. They'll say, okay, uh, we need money for these services. We need money for these services. And when they run out, they start spending money that they they don't have. Rather than saying, "Hey, we have ten million for so much, so many services," and let's do a breakdown where everyone gets a fair percentage into it. But I really do feel that this vaccine mandate is connected to this financial crisis we're headed for, including how Pat Lynch and his constituents sold out the PBM members for the tier three contract. I do think the tier three contract is connected as well because in the tier three contract, there's so many. There's so many givebacks that just they'll never get back. One that they claim to fight for right now is them having the ability to take pension loans. And clearly, I, I did hear the audio, you and I both did, from a PBA meeting where Pat Lynch says that they're going to campaign to get the pension loans back. They'll never get that back. And he said that it has no effect on the city. That's a complete lie because the city utilizes that money for financial gain. They use it for interest purposes. That's why they don't want the PBA members taking these pension loans, which is the lie that the, these these PBA members have been fed their entire careers. They go to pension seminars. They're always told, never take a pension loan. Oh, it's the worst thing. Well, that is absolutely a farce. Would you take a pension loan to buy a car or buy some type of liability? But if you're, if you're going to take a pension loan that you're going to buy an asset, then it completely makes sense. If you're going to get 20% return on something, versus getting 8% in your pension. Well, obviously, that's a 12% difference. It does make sense. So it's a complete lie. Uh, I, I'm really disappointed what I've seen with this vaccine mandate. It's insane. Here we are. It's It's been a little over a year since the vaccine mandate was implemented, and we're still holding on for dear life. It, it's just it's a matter of control, and it's connect, connected to this bankruptcy uh, that we're headed for in New York City. I do, I do think that we are headed for bankruptcy. I mean, unfortunately, I've been saying this for a while. I've been saying this before we even took those raises, uh, and that was under de Blasio. I was saying this way before. We were in a financial crisis at that time, and I said if I was the mayor of New York City, yes, we deserve a raise. There's no way I would, I would, I would, I would be negotiating very small percentages with with the uniform, uh, with the uniform personnel if I was if I was uh, Bill de Blasio, because we're in a financial crisis. During a financial crisis, COVID hits, 
we our leadership, our elected representatives decide to shut down the greatest economy in the world, New York City. Um, the effects of shutting New York City down for one day, I don't. I, they're incalculable. We shut down New York City for two years. Um, so right now we're hanging on by a thread. Anyone who thinks we're not and thinks money grows on trees, that's fine. You could think that it's uh, you know ignorance is complete bliss. I wish I wish I felt the same, you know. But that's just not the case that we're at right now. I mean, obviously everyone asks, you know, what's going on with the vaccine mandate, and like Eric said, it's all interconnected. You know, I put a I put a tweet out the other day, and I was knocking Aaron Judge. I was just I, I you know it, it just it just pains me to watch all all the cops and firemen everyone jump up and down about how Aaron Judge got three hundred and sixty million dollars and I put out like something along the lines of the unvaccinated judge could get three hundred and sixty million but unvaccinated cops firemen teachers sanitation workers are left to die in the street and nobody cares and you know and 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 you know everyone's like oh he's vaccinated it's besides the point. I don't care if he is, if he isn't. The Yankees are exempt from it. He does not have to be. And my point with it is we're living in a two-tiered society that makes zero sense. He couldn't work in New York, so they opened it up. They opened up that athletes and performers could work in New York. Why? Because they need the revenue. They, he generates a ton of money. I'm not mad that Aaron Judge makes $360 million. That's great. That means that if my kid is able to smash a baseball like he is and generate a fan revenue like that, there's an outlet for him to go to to make that much money. I'm not mad at Aaron Judge making the money. I'm mad at the fact of that we normalized what's going on. And not only did we normalize that, we're normalizing what's happened in the police department. So here we got we got this other we have this other decision that came down and basically um I'll read it out right now. Pursuant to the decision of the order of the Board of Collective Bargaining of the City of New York, and in order to effectuate the policies of the New York City Collective Bargaining Law, we hereby notify that the Board of Collective Bargaining has issued a number, whatever, determining improper practice between the New York City Municipal Labor Community, United Fire Officers, Local 845, Captains, Lieutenants, Firefighters, um, Sergeants, Detectives, and the Department of Mental Health and Hygiene. Pursuant to the powers vested in the Board of Collecting Bargaining, it's ordered that the improper petition docketed and is is hereby is granted as it further ordered that the city of New York bargain in good faith over any remaining issues concerning terms and conditions of employment and implementation of the vaccine mandate. And it is further ordered that the city of New York post and distribute this decision. Basically, like I said, it's saying that they broke your contract. So, if if the city's able to break your contract, your labor contract, and just tell you, hey, stick this in your body or we're going to terminate you, then they could violate any portion of that contract and it's fine. What would happen if today they said, hey, you know what? Instead of paying you bi-weekly, we're only going to pay you monthly and <laughs> we're going to pay you at a less rate. I mean, we already – I mean – what 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 exactly what they did here could be done in that portion, and I don't think anyone's looking at the big 
picture of this. So this is, and this is just on the labor law portion of it. If I can violate your contract, and it doesn't matter, you're working with the city of New York, you get 27 vacation days, whatever, because you're tier two, and I just decide you're not anymore because I'm Mayor Adams, I'm the swagger man, I got great swagger, I was a cop for 21 years who by all accounts was a terrible cop, and now I'm the mayor and I'm in charge of the police department, and I say that you're not getting 27 vacation days, and if you don't like it, this is a great job. There's hundreds of thousands of people sitting there waiting to take your job, even though nobody's taking this job. Uh, but he'll tell you that, that you're worthless. I mean, and and that's the thing that enrages me. It's like there was so many laws violated here. There's so many people I talk to that are like, oh, look at you. You're doing great since you left. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not the point. There are people that aren't. There are people that aren't, and I'm just doing great based off of based off of my work ethic. I didn't want this. I wanted to still live in New York City. I wanted to finish my career out. And there are thousands and thousands of people like me on top of thousands and thousands of people who were forced to stick something in their body. This is not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay that our unions aren't here. It's not okay that your union, instead of taking a deal, especially, and I'll, and I'll, I'll knock on the PBA right now, instead of taking a fucking no-brainer deal with no givebacks. He's in arbitration right now, spending $8 million of your funds. $8 million of your funds. And again, I, I, I think a rough estimate that city arbitrators making roughly $3,500 a day. There's a neutral arbitrator and the PBA's arbitrator. They're splitting that money. That's on top of the $8 million. How much, how many people got representation from the PBA over this vaccine mandate that were denied religious exemptions and denied appeals. How many people did they give an Article 78 representation to, which is Article 78 is reinstatement based upon the, the, the city's arbitrary and capricious decision of who's going to get a religious exemption and who's not. We've had ministers, deacons, ordained reverends. We've had them denied religious exemptions, and we've had people that want, wrote nothing gibberish get approved you know uh the the city's determining who's more religious based on zero investigation based on incompetent people in the office of uh equal opportunity and diversity inclusion they're the arbitrator of your faith uh absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous it's um it's just it's just one of those things that anger me. So I was like, and I was like and I sat there and I laughed at all the people. Aaron Judge is vaccinated. Aaron Judge makes all this money. I don't give a shit. It's like it's abhorrent what's going on in New York City. I'm not knocking Aaron Judge. I really don't care about the man. I don't even watch baseball anymore. I don't watch sports. I could care less about these people. I really could. They're they're not the people that matter. I know thousands of people in this city who are affected over this illegality and it's because of like what eric's saying it's this is based if you're not seeing the big picture this is a layoff without actually having to show how much we're laying off it's pushing out tier two members again like i said tier two was overwhelmingly affected by by that decision they wanted us out they denied the majority of tier two members the people that got that exemption were young tier three members. Why? Because their contract sucks. The contract sucks. So, and again, we're in, you guys are in arbitration now. You're in arbitration. That money could have been 
a quarter of that money could have been used to represent you. Instead, no, you got guys like me running out, helping you guys get free Article 78 representation, putting you in contact with lawyers that will represent you. Did they do any of that? They, I mean, they're, they're, they're the largest police unit in the country. They could have had a lawyer sit down individually with each one of you. And this goes for the SBA, the LBA, and the CA. Too. They should have had a, a, a lawyer sit down with each one of us, help us draft our religious exemptions. Then after that, when we were denied, help us draft our appeals. Then after that, when we were denied, they should have helped us draft an Article 78 and did mass filings for all of us. What grievance has been filed on the part of any of us, not by any of these unions. There were deals made behind the table. I don't care what anybody tells me. It's ridiculous. So now they're going to sit there, and this is a bargaining chip. Not now for the PBA, because you guys are in perb, and they cannot, they cannot bargain this at this point. It's just pay and schedule, and that's another thing. Somebody leaked those audios. And they talked a lot about the scheduling on the first leaked audio in October. And I'm going to put those audios on. Uh, they're going to they're going to go out on the New York's finest retired and unfiltered uh, Twitter. Those audios will go out. You could leak that. You you could uh, you could look at you could listen to those audios there. But they talked a lot about how the scheduling. They're going they're working on this scheduling. This is the same. Um, I sent I sent or I sent a uh, dim and uh. At Lynch's uh, campaign run, his original campaign run, and he was going to bring it down to a four-day work week. I believe that was 99, right, or 99 or 2000 when he was originally running, uh, or 98. 98 between 2000. I forget exactly what day he takes over and, and what the run was. But he, I have the campaign material. Somebody sent it to me, and it's hysterical. They were working on a four-day work week then. And then and so in the first audio, you hear that there oh we're working on a, on a four-day work week and all you guys got big hopes where's the contract where's the contract where's the contract what contract they don't even matter they're not even worth the paper they're written on it's 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 discussed so like i i i don't know i i, I don't really know where to go even now on the vaccine mandate because again besides this ruling we have had numerous victories in court We've had a judge's decision say that you must hire back the terminated people with back pay. And I keep hearing, oh, some guys got back. None of those people got back. The people who were terminated are still terminated by the New York City Police Department and have not received a dollar. Oh, the city's appealing it. It doesn't fucking matter if the city's appealing it. Those people should be reinstated based off that judge's decision. And if that appeal, if the appeal is successful, then they could remove these people again. So I don't know what you're talking about. Some people, yes. Some people early on snuck back in, came back to work because they weren't fully separated from the department. Anybody that has been se- technically separated, not running their time, has not been allowed back on the department. So that they are completely ignoring the law here, completely ignoring the law here. And you guys are showing, you're really showing your hand. You're weak and you're dumb. They're keeping you in the dark. They treat you like mushrooms and feed you shit. And you're completely happy with it. Where's the contract? Where's the contract? And I keep saying, if I give these guys $500, they'll go away and they'll shut up. You'll just be happy it's over. I don't know what you're not asking for something good. You don't even know what you want. 
You just want a contract to be settled. Any contract. You don't even know. And, and the things you're willing to give away are insane. They're insane to me, including your own bodily autonomy. It's insane to me. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You just covered so much information. <clears throat> I mean, we, we really need about 10 episodes that you go over all the stuff that you just talked about because there's, there's so many layers to peel back here. Let, let's, let's talk about, for a second, I'd love to talk about this economic tsunami that he's talking about here. First of all, I'm a firm believer because I'm you know, big into the pensions. I love reading about finances. We were headed for an economic tsunami before COVID hit. And a lot of the effect, uh, what I've read, is part of the two, tier two personnel. And yes, and I will admit, <clears throat> there are there are a lot of tier two personnel. <clears throat> excuse me, that do milk the system, and they stay on the job 30, 35 years, and these guys get compounded pensions, and it does hurt us because the pension system was built on basically a Ponzi scheme, and w- what that means is, so, John, if you and I, while we're working. We're paying, so someone right now who's retired for the past 20, 30 years, essentially, you and I are working and we're paying this particular uniform services member's pension. And then when we retire, it's going to take four uniform services to pay our pensions. And then when those four retire, it may take eight. And the reason why is because obviously salaries are increasing and people are living longer. So they're getting pensions for a longer amount of time. And, and that's why it pains me to see that our young police officers, our young uniform services that are now part of the tier three system are bamboozled. And they actually believe what has been told to them at these pension seminars. And, and for one, I always say, listen, if you don't know anything about economics, you have to ask yourself, you're a tier three personnel uniform member. Why is it that I have not allotted or permitted the ability to take a pension off. You have to ask yourself that. That should be a red flag. The other red flag should be if you think that these pension systems are a uh, are a solo business on its own. If you think the New York City Police Pension Fund is not bad, part of a bigger fi- financial economic system amongst New York State, then you, you, you're really fooled here because tier three personnel – when they hit the ripe age of 62, they decide to collect early Social Security, or if they wait till 65 to collect their Social Security, they have what's called a Social Security offset, which means once they start getting Social Security payments, they now get a reduced pension. So the Tier 3 pension is completely different than the Tier 2. You know, I, I've spoke to PBA and SBA and LBA members. They said they're just some small tweaks. That is not true. That is completely a farce. So when I saw this economic financial tsunami coming way before COVID, it it was clear to me that the New York City Police Department took the opportunity and the other services as well. I think the, the, the mayor at the time, the Blasio, saw the opportunity to combine all these services and actually start to really control them so that he could break down this uh, with this financial crisis. Obviously, he knew that at some point his tenure was coming up this would have this these issues would be now be passed on to someone else but those financial issues were there the crisis was there which you know and and like you said shutting down the city for one day i I think it has it's irreparable damage now when he shut down the the city for two years everything has changed i mean we see it now 
these these cameras, these speed cameras, they're on twenty four seven. Why that that makes revenue for the city? I, I just think this financial crisis was the train was on the tracks way before COVID, but now we had an opportunity. The city saw the opportunity to blame it on COVID, and here we are implementing that vaccine mandate, which removes, in my opinion, mostly tier two personnel. Why? If you're someone that's tier three. Usually, these are people that are young on the job. This is not something you may be thinking about. You probably, you may not have families yet. There are some tier three personnel that get on the job in their 30s. But for the most part, I would say a higher percentage get on in their early 20s. So they're not thinking about their health. It's it's just the nature of the beast. When we're young, we think we're immortal. They're not thinking about families. They're not really thinking about medical yet. And honestly, they're not even thinking about what it's going to be like at retirement, what kind of pension they're going to sustain and live on. It's just too young in their career and too young in their lives to really think about this big picture. They're more thinking about the novelty and just enjoying the idea of becoming a cop. So I, I really do think these guys get bamboozled. This vaccine is, is totally deplorable, what they're doing to our personnel. I think we've removed about 4,000 personnel. Is that right? Maybe more, John? Oh, definitely more. It's definitely more. 6,000 put in for exemptions. I mean, the overwhelming majority were denied. We're on pace to lose 4,000 this year. That's of the numbers that they'll, they'll, uh, you know, that they've exposed so far. I think, I think what you'll find is those numbers are actually greater, actually greater than that. I think what we're going to have to do, because we want to give out the truth and give out the information. It's in my opinion. I haven't seen the data yet. And I'm sure you believe the same thing that, most of the people that have been terminated have lost their job because of this vaccine mandate. I, I would say the higher percentage are tier two personnel. I'm sure there are some tier three personnel in there who do have uh, religious beliefs that they will stand by their own ground, or maybe they have other opportunities to move on to. I, I'm sure I'm pretty confident, and I've seen it. This is another thing that's affecting our police department. For one, the vaccine mandate, just implementing this ideology that you have to inject something in your body that you may be opposed to or not. But for those that are taking the injection, because, I, listen, I'd like to circle back on some of this, but I've, I've, I've read a lot of financial books, and particularly Dave Ramsey. And Dave Ramsey talks about how, I think he says 70 to 80% of the country is two paychecks away from being homeless. So here you are, if you're facing, you're facing a decision, your, your family, or even just yourself, you're young in your 20s, well, I have a new job here, I have a potential career, and I'm... I'm faced with this vaccine that I have to take. And if I don't take this vaccine, I'm not getting paid the next the next two weeks. I may be homeless. And that proves that most people live paycheck to paycheck. And that's why this vaccine was had, had the ability to control our society. I mean, we have learned so much with this vaccine mandate. I mean, we saw what we, we, we couldn't believe come before our eyes, that people were able to be controlled with a vaccine. I mean, even myself, I just I just flew overseas to go on vacation. I had to get a COVID test at the airport, and I have been vaccinated, but I couldn't even find I couldn't find the vaccine card. I had the app; it wasn't working anymore. But I had to take I had to take a COVID test. I mean, it was seventy nine dollars. I think th this is just this is just a total scam. I, 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 it's so sad how, how we've how we've everything has a connection. This vaccine mandate. I really do believe it. And, and as you said before, I'm tired of watching sports too. You know, it, it's a shame. Here, and cops, honestly, I'm talking to you cops. I hear you guys talking in the locker room. John, you heard it too. 
bashing these athletes for, for kneeling down, bashing these athletes that they don't have to get vaccinated, and they do. But yet they support them, and they talk about them on Facebook and social media, and, and they post pictures about them, and they do fantasy football and fantasy baseball. But yet, these people don't have to play by the rules that you do. Whether Aaron Judge is vaccinated or not is not the point. I, I agree with you. The point is that he doesn't have to be. He gets to work in a very influential, affluent city, right, to play a sport that he loves, to make $360 million, and he does not have to make that harsh decision. But yet a New York City police officer, who is the celebrity with the muscle without the money, has to make that harsh decision. If they're going to be two paychecks away from being homeless, because they won't take that ejection. That also hurts morale. That, that hurts recruitment. And that's why I say that everything is connected. This vaccine is connected to recruitment. It's connected to morale. It's connected to the economic tsunami that Adams is preparing the city for. I hate to say that we're headed for an economic tsunami. I think the tsunami is here, honestly. It's already here, and we have to face that bubble. Yeah, I mean, you could you could just listen to Adam's audio when he talks about it. He he actually talks about the contract negotiations with the PBA. Uh, there's one. a there's a video out. I'll I'll put it out. I'll throw that one out on social media too. And it, he basically just says that they're not negotiating anymore. They're not negotiating with the city. So it contradicts what Pat says in that audio that they're negotiating with Adams and he's involved in the table. So Adams basically throws him under the bus right there and says, we're not negotiating. It's in arbitration, right? And then he goes on to, we must be fair to all of our civil servants, um, you know, and fair to the, our financials restraints, the city's ability to pay, right? So what is he saying? We have to be fair to all of our city servants, you know, um, you know, and at the same time, he does say he goes on a little to give you some hope. But we want to continue to ask young people to take the test, to pay in the and the, you know, and basically saying like we 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 want to get the pay up to where it's fair. But you think you're gonna break? You think you're gonna break the the uniform pattern? Do you really think that's gonna happen? Because let, let's let's just talk about that a little bit. Because I, I put out a tweet, I put out a Instagram post, and I said a statement. You can never break the pattern. You can only set the pattern. We don't want to piggyback. We don't want to piggyback off of other unions. Other unions need to piggyback off of us. So we have to go in first. And I said, who said that statement? And one guy came back and he answered it. He said, Pat Lynch made that statement in 1999. After he hired Bob Lynn, right? And he said, but for two decades, he's never done that. He's never done it. So for two decades, we've the PBA has never went in first. Um, I don't believe they actually ever even negotiated a deal. Um, you've been in we've been in arbitration for forever. And we'll get into the logistics of that on another time and we'll go through each contract and what was given away uh, but just based on that statement alone I've had some people attack me with that too well that's not true we've broken the pattern and I've <laughs> answered everyone back because they they said oh well when whatever whatever case it was there were zeros taken 
And but the PBA got one or two percent. And I was like, yeah, you didn't break the pattern. You gave away whatever it was, whatever it was based on that, uh, uh, based upon that pattern. So the only way for you to break a pattern once it's set is through concessions, which are givebacks. Okay, so let's let's just break that down. You could never break the pattern. You can only set the pattern. So the pattern set. So right now that you're in arbitration, right? And what's happening in arbitration? The city saying, take the pattern that's already set. Here's a pattern that's already set. You could take it. You could take what the SBA, the LBA, and the CEA have all been getting for six years now, and you could walk away with no givebacks. But how could you do that? Because you just waited. You just you just ruined the guys' pensions, their careers. Uh, their they their the pay parity. The reason we're not on, on par with the uh, with other agencies is because of well, you waited six years to take something with no givebacks. That basically that's on the table right now, right? So that's on the table. Here, take the deal that the LBA took six years ago. Here, take it. Right? Oh, you don't want that? Okay. We'll we'll change some of the numbers, the percentage points of the pay. So monetary monetary awards, right? We could change the monetary awards. How are we gonna change that? We have to give stuff back. So you never break the pattern, right? Now, like you're not breaking a pattern. You're renegotiating the same pattern that was set. And you're going to give stuff back, whether it be stretching out steps to top pay, whether it be, um, whether it be, um, you know, vacation days, chart days, chart time, uh, more years to top pay for the unborn. I mean, these are things that affect us all. They affect everyone. Everyone's like, I don't give a shit about the new guys. I heard some delegate ranting and raving on one of the, on one of those things about how the new guys are a bunch of idiots. Uh, that guy does not belong to be a delegate at all. Whoever that was, when you guys identify him, uh, I, w- I would look to unseat that kid right away. Um, he does not deserve to be uh, a PBA delegate. He's not looking out for the members. Yes, it's annoying when guys are coming up to you asking you over and over again, but that's your fucking job. That's what you do. That's what That's what you signed up to do. Unfortunately, the guy that you're complaining to, the guys you're complaining to about it, are the ones that are putting you in this fucking predicament. It's not your fault. It's not your fault that you're in that predicament, but that's them. And you're there at the behest of the membership of your of your precinct. You're there to represent them. And are you representing? Are you even coming back with the proper information? I don't think you are because the proper information is this. The fucking pattern was set six years ago. Now they have the pattern again in front of them and probably two other versions of that pattern with givebacks. And now you're going to fuck those new guys, right? Fuck those new guys. I don't care about the unborn. I only care about myself. You don't care about yourself because you should be you, – you, we've been in arbitration basically for 20 years. It fucked all of our careers, even the bosses, right? And you, and And here we go. You're going to fuck the new guy that one day is going to be in charge of the union. You're going to have benefits that they don't have. And do you think they're going to protect your benefits? Why would I protect your benefit when you fuck me?
Why would I fucking sit there and fight and put an attorney to fight for something that you have that us don't? Why would we ever do that? We wouldn't. So by fucking the new guy, you fuck yourself. You fuck your future self. You fuck yourself as an old man, as an old woman. It's ignorance. It's pure ignorance. This isn't doggy doggy world. I need a couple of percentage points, so I'm willing to give away everything. Eric, 2.5% for body cameras. To wear a body camera that's used to fire cops, that's used to take vacation days to you, that's used to demonize you. Is 2.5% worth the body camera, Eric? Absolutely not. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. Some of the points you, you just brought up are fantastic. I say it all the time. Listen to listen, my cops out there, you gotta start listening to this. The PBA is spending a dollar to make a quarter. It just doesn't make any sense. You have to ask yourself, why is the PBA constantly wanting to go to perp? Why are we spending so much arbitration? Why? Why are we fighting so hard for a two-year deal? Why? Because if Pat Lynch gives you all this magic shows and gives you information that comes out both sides of his mouth. But yet nothing's happening. He's going to fight for you and say, we can only get a two-year deal. And now you're stuck with, well, you know what? We have to reelect him so that he can fight for the rest of the contract that's been in place that we've been fighting for rather than get someone new in there that doesn't have an understanding of the past four years. So you, you're getting bamboozled, but you're spending a dollar to make a quarter. It just doesn't make any sense. It, is, is it ideal to get zeros? No. But sometimes you may have to take a zero with no givebacks, to stay on track with your contracts. I think it's much better to stay in in current time. For instance, to, if, if you could stay up to date on the contract, I think it's much more beneficial for your pension, for your, your ultimate life going on. Because this is just a segment of your life. This is not your life forever. Listen, to my police officers out there, my cops that are out there, you have to really take note. And you have to make smart financial decisions. It's unfortunate, but when we go to school, this is not something they teach us. I didn't know myself, but I took the time to read different books to learn about economics because I didn't understand how it works. In school, we get indoctrinated so that we're able to get a career and, and function, but nobody really teaches us about finances. It just doesn't make sense to spend a dollar to make a quarter. Yes. Is it ideal to get a zero in some cases? It may be effective so that you can stay in current time because here you are, you're six years out of a contract. So you're going to eventually when that contract gets settled. Yes, I know people get excited about retro. It's it's sexy. You see that money. It's in your bank account. But it's short lived. I promise you that. And I say this all the time. Cash is trash. It really is because you have no investment return on that money. And you get yesterday's dollar today. So yesterday's dollar is getting taxed on today's taxes. And yes, you will see a big difference. So let's say, for instance, you're a cop that makes 100000 for the year with overtime. And now you're going to get a 50000 retro. I'm just, this is rhetorically speaking. So let's say you get that 50000 So now you make 150 for the year. So now you're going to get into a higher tax bracket for that year. So that's going to hurt you. You may end up having to pay money at the end of the year. So you're thinking, well, I got $50,000. Then you're going to have that money sit in your account. Where are you going to put it? Because if you don't put it somewhere, you're just going to spend it. It has to be invested. And you might say, well, I want to put it into real estate. And yes, real estate is always a smart decision. However, you could have put that money in real estate six years prior at a different rate. But now with the housing market at a 14% increase compared to what it was pre-COVID, 
Your 50,000 is not as strong as it was. You want to fight for contracts that stay current. Retro is sexy. You take some of that money, you go on vacation. But what happens? Usually, I would say in most cases, here you are, you're six years behind. So you probably have been hurting on your taxes. Okay. You probably are in debt, maybe with stuff with your home, credit card debt, because you're you're not living within the current wages that there are. Here we are in the Biden administration, we're at a 14% inflation increase. So you have not kept up with that. Even when you get a contract, you're not going to keep up with that. And Dave Ramsey says, I listened to this, and I'm not saying that you have to do that. But he says, don't be scared by inflation. All right, the American economy is never going to fall, okay? It may bounce back, it goes through waves, goes up and down, okay? But, and what he says, and I'm not saying that you have to live by this, but this is just an idea I've gotten from stuff I've read, but he said this particular that if your employer is not going to give you a 14% increase, well, you should leave that job and find another one. So what he's saying is don't be scared by inflation because it's, it, our employers are supposed to keep us up with inflation. That builds morale. It makes it more attractive to keep the veteran, to keep the tenure. And also it's attractive for recruitment. But this ideology that if I get 2% and I get a retro, that I'm keeping up with inflation. No, you have to do the math. You are way behind. And now, and I agree with John, here you are, you're at a point you're going to give concessions. And, and, and I'm a firm believer, once you have these concessions, you never get them back. You can look back at history, and you never get these things back. You just don't. It's unfortunate, but once these things, once you give them back, you won't see them again. So you have to ask yourself, what are we willing to give back? And, and it's unfortunate, I don't even think that you... The, the cops themselves, you've had the opportunity to make these decisions because they think when it comes to the PBA, these decisions have been made for you. Now, remember, Pat Lynch works for you. You don't work for him. Okay? He's supposed to support you. And, and John, what you said before, I totally agree with that. If there, is, if there is a union member that doesn't have time for your questions, that is annoyed and perturbed by your questions, well, you should veto that person and you should petition to have them removed. Because that's exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They're getting a handsome salary. They're fighting for you. You're a cop. You're out there. In most cases, there are some administrative guys. But for most of you, you're out in the field. You put your life and you put your butt on the line. You do a dangerous job. And these PDA reps, your representation is supposed to fight for you. They're getting a handsome salary. They get double their salary. And they're not facing the dangers that there, there are. They're not in the street. They're working in a suit. They're working in a nice air-conditioned office. Something that you support with your dues. So you have to ask yourself, where are your dues going? It's important. And uh, John, you and I talked about the stuff that Pat Lynch had campaigned on. One thing that he campaigned in is that you get effective attorneys. So sometimes you feel, well, well, my dues are going to attorneys. Well, you should make sure that you're getting the best representation that you get. Because ultimately, usually the PBA is getting about $1.2 million, roughly. An estimate. The PDA gets about 1.2 million a month from union members just from dues. There's other facets where that they get financially uh, supported. Okay, you buy LBA. Uh, sorry, you buy PBA cards, things like that, T-shirts, merchandise. Where the can canteens out there support them in, in, in other ways that they uh, support the PBA. But these PBA reps are supposed to fight for you, your best interest. Are they fighting for your best interest? You have to ask yourself. I think not. Clearly not. Yeah, no, I 
So uh, let's just let's just talk about the the current PBA then. Let's talk about that. And and I just want to just piggyback off one other thing because there was something that was said in in one of those audios that I listened to, and he said, "Oh, the change in leadership, the change in leadership." Chief Corey left. Um, all these all these executives are leaving, and everything's changing. Right? All the change in leadership is affecting the contract negotiations. So just so we're clear, the police commissioner. The chief of department, every chief in there, they are completely uninvolved in the contract negotiations. So I don't even know what the hell that was about. That was that was, hey, look, don't look over here. You know, there's a change in leadership, you know. Uh, and then he kind of threw something else out there that he kind of threw something else out there that, hey, well, if anything, we'll just take the two year. We'll just take the two-year deal with Perb, which is what Perb is. It only, it only, it only counts for two years. Perb, Perb is only unless unless both parties agree to a longer-term deal. So it sounds like the arbitrator is throwing them the pattern and a terrible deal. And the only way to break that pattern is terrible. So it sounds like they're gearing you up to take a two-year deal. Well, we're gonna take the two-year deal, and then what's gonna happen? Elections are coming up for PBA, right? Oh, we can't change. We can't change leadership because you're you're still going to be out of a contract because you're only going to come up to date two years. You're still completely out of contract, so you'll stay in perp. You'll stay paying the arbitrator thirty five hundred dollars a day. You'll pay even more money to re-enter to continue into perp. So it's it's it sounds a lot like he's gearing you up to let you know. This is uh this is not good. And then originally they were working on the tours. It didn't matter what the it didn't matter what the other unions do. It's that's their problem. That's not our problem. And then the next audio leak, it's oh well, you know, that looks like that's off the table, the tours, because of the other unions. It's like they're not at the table. They're not even at the table. Like this is cost salesman shit. Like when I listened to those audios, I was like, damn. This is bad, and I've spoken to other people. I've got it from some retired guys. I got it from some active guys. Um, I think we all were under the same impression that was like if I was sitting at that car dealership and that guy and that car and that guy selling me something, I'm getting up and I'm leaving. I'd be like, "You're full of shit. You're full of shit. You just contradicted yourself." And you know, and I'm sitting there listening to a four second clip. You got your, you got your, you have your delegates sitting in that meeting, and obviously they're not understanding what's going on, because they should be the ones picking this up. You guys should all be the ones grabbing this. You know, if your delegates not coming back and letting you know, hey, something's not right. I think I don't think we're getting shit. Whatever, there's a problem. You know what I mean? There's a problem. So, um, you know, that's that's my. You know, that's my take on that is I think you guys, again, set up failure. You guys are expecting something that's just never going to happen. Listen, nobody likes the police now. So if you think you're going to get some miraculous deal that the other unions didn't get, you're out of your mind. You're del- you are delusional, like legitimately delusional. So, I mean, and, and, and just based on what's going on on those audios, you should be able to see that. But uh, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about when Pat Lynch ran some of the items, I have a document here that was sent from a, a retired guy, and it's uh, the agenda for reform. 
And this is uh, Pat Lynch, the PBA president, the only choice for change, the voice of the blue line. Okay. So his first point was term limits, for PBA board members. Damn, are there term limits for PBA board members? What a joke. Term limits? Pat Lynch has been, Pat Lynch has been the PBA president probably just as long as Fidel Castro was in, 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 in power. This is insane. Term limits. His second point, and I got a message the other day. We don't even know when elections are, and we don't know how to run. Right? Open PBA election process. I don't think anyone feels that that process is open and, and is open and understandable. I don't think anyone understands how to run, what's required to run, or even when an election is. There's an election coming up, people. It's coming up. John, uh, let me ask you this before you go ahead. When have you seen in your career in the police department, when have you ever seen any literature that said, hey, that was in the precinct being passed around that detailed in bullet form of how to apply to campaign to be a potential PBA rep or PBA president or trustee? Have you seen it? I have not seen it ever. Have you ever seen it? Nope. It's more it doesn't of, exist. Yeah, keep them in the dark. Exist. Keep them in the dark and feed them shit. You guys are a bunch of mushrooms. That's it. And that's how you whip that's how we've all been treated by our unions. It doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't. Doesn't. <clears throat> doesn't. Open all vendor contracts to competitive bidding. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's the law in New York City. I think he has to do that. So that's probably being done. I know it's the law now. I don't know if it was the law then. I don't know. So, but like that is the law in New York City. Like I, so I, I do believe that that's happening. Um, the and what school, matters? A, a phone call? A flyer? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get into that, but I don't want to get into that because <laughs> it, it's, it's such a gray area that, you know, I, we would be speculating too much. It's too much speculation. I don't want to, I don't I, want I to agree. get into that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to speculate on what's going on, but, you know, um, so disclose terms of vendor contracts to membership. I have never seen a contract ever, uh, uh, an agreement sent to me from any union. Uh, I was a member of the PBA for seven years. I, I never seen a, I never seen a, uh, I never seen the, the terms of the vendor contract sent to me. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what vendors we had. So, Never mind the thing. I only was there a list somewhere where we could find out the vendors because I'd like to see it, you know. Um, so that's not there. Open door policy at PBA headquarters. I don't know. What I don't even know. Yeah, there's an open door policy in your CEO's office too. You know, that's laughable. Until you go in there, and then you get your fucking tour changed. Um, you know, uh, regular visits by PBA offices to each precinct. Um, this one kind of annoys me because I, I remember at the time of the, the well, when it was real hot and heavy and, and a lot of guys were still fighting, they didn't even want to talk about the vaccine mandate. They didn't even want to talk about <laughs> it. They didn't even want to talk. We had trustees running around all over Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan. They didn't want to talk about it. It is what it is, Ma. What's the big deal? We're all vaccinated and boosted here. We're all fine. You know, stupid, stupid. Um, not, not helping anybody. Um. Uh, what else we got? Provide every member 
with a copy of the bylaws and the contract. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you get that. You should have some of the bylaws. I don't know how transparent the bylaws you're getting, but you're getting the contract as it comes. But I don't think you're understanding the historical aspects of the contract. And, you know, I would think that if I was the president, I would have an actual historical breakdown of every contract PBA negotiated to see where we're at, to see where we're on par. And, you know, maybe I would even highlight why how the, the poor authority jumped so far ahead of us when at one time we made more money than them. You know, but obviously, you know, transparency would tell a tale. So we gotta keep you dark we gotta keep you in the dark and continue to feed you shit. Um member satisfaction questionnaires on all services provided by the PBA. I don't know, Dim, did you ever see that? What Joe, come on. <laughs> Never. All right. Never. I was a union delegate for the SBA and the LBA. I didn't see it there either. Come on. <laughs> so here's where here's where we get to the good part. Increase pay oh. and enhance benefits. No more zeros. Yeah. Dim. The zeros that we took for like the six months in 2018 with no givebacks. Would it have been more valuable to take those zeros or to be at a contract now for six mm-hmm. years and to not get a zero, to give stuff back, to, to not break, to try to break that pattern, to not take a zero? What would have been more valuable? What would you rather? Well, that's the one thing I have to agree with. The SBA, the LBA, they were both on par. They both agreed that it was in our best interest to take contracts that would be up to date. And look, I didn't listen. I didn't like it. I didn't think – it's the greatest thing to have to take zeros for six months. But when you wait out the particular options, zeros for six months and not to have givebacks, because those givebacks actually put us in the negative to be in a position where we're current on the contract and it's actually pensionable, which actually now that I'm in retirement, I can tell that's what I'm trying to tell my cops. It was beneficial to me and it was in my best interest at the point that I'm in right now being in retirement. Because if I was out of a contract and I got that money now, late. It wouldn't help me later on in my life with my pension. It would just be a cash investment that I have momentarily in my hands. Again, cash is trash. So it's in your best bet to be current and not have these concessions. So if you take a zero for six months, yes, it's a big hit. But it's definitely in a better position because your your interest rates on your pension are compounded. So you can kind of absorb that zero percent and start to make up for it as you get that compounded interest. But if you're not getting compounded interest and you're, you're waiting six years without a contract and now you're going into the retro and you're going to a higher tax bracket and you hear behind an inflation, you have yourself credit card debt, it's absolutely the worst thing that can happen to you. So if that was the best contract that we could get in time, and I do think, you know, being in, in a financial crisis that we are with the city and headed for the tsunami, which I think the tsunami is already here and they want to blame it on COVID, but it's the best bet is to be current and on time. All right. Obviously, sometimes we're going to have some time elapse, maybe a year as administrations move. And there's other services that need uh, attention to within the city. This is a very dynamical city. Yes. But six years is just way too far. I mean, six years is almost the length of two elections, two presidencies. I mean, here, 
six years without a contract. We're not even under Mayor de Blasio anymore. We're here with another mayor. Six years is just too long. Think about in the past six years how much has changed completely. I mean, the job itself in the last three years had changed immensely. Six years is just – it's almost a decade. This is insane. You're not going to get – yesterday's dollar getting paid today, it's just not helping you. It's never going to be in the position that you need to be to better your pension, to put you in a better position for your entire career and for your life. This is a huge mistake. The cops need to start standing up for themselves. I mean, all the stuff that you talked about, that, that Pat Lynch campaign, never came to fruition. Term limits, I think term limits have to be implemented. We need young blood in there that understands the administration that you're in, understands modern era policing, understands the financial crisis that we're in. And you have to ask yourself, what is... What's in it for Pat Lynch? What is for him to gain by not stepping down and saying, hey, it's someone else's time to go? All right. He's offered the to, to wear a uniform once a month. So you know what? Sit back. Let someone else take over. Let's get some fresh ideas. Go wear a uniform. What's the last time you wore a uniform? Only at funerals or events where it looks good. <laughs> Only at funerals or events where it looks good. That's it. Um yeah, I, I like. There's so much to be said about that. That's, I mean, again, that's a quarter of your career for you guys that that came on this job. So I'm going to do 20 years. That's a quarter of your career that the SBA, the LBA, the DEA, the CEA have all been making more money than you for a quarter of your career, um, and they've been, you know, that's money into their ITHP, into their 50%, into their deferred comp, into their 401ks, money in their pocket, money that they put in the bank. I mean, these are things you're never getting back. You're going to get a retro. It's going to get taxed hugely. Overall, you'll be in a different tax bracket for the year, so you're going to get taxed a lot then. So, I mean, the city doesn't care. I mean, it's, it's so. this is so beneficial to New York City to not pay you for six years because for the guys in Tier 2, you got fucked because all that money was pensionable. And, and for six years, guess what? You're, it's not pensionable. You're not getting that money. That money's gone. You're just going to get it now. You're getting it today. And like Eric and Eric clearly pointed out, it's it's not good. It's not good. So here we go again. This is, again, I believe this is 99. Innovative chart options for increased flexibility, i.e., Four-day work week. Mm, sounds familiar. Here we are, 20-something years later. We're still at the four-day work week. But that's off the table now because the unions that aren't negotiating and are not at the table are pushing back. And the leadership, since it changed hands, that are also not at the table can't agree on this. So, again, you're getting sold a wolf ticket right there. I, I like, I did, When I heard that, I was like, come on, man. You don't even know what you – you can't even – you know. and that's why I say the truth stings like a bastard. And when you're sitting there and you're talking lies, that it also it, – it, it highlights itself because you don't remember the shit you said the month before. Um, so increased night differential. Um, I think the night differential is horrible. He says premium weekend pay. I think 100% that should have been weekend pay. We don't have that. I think guys that work nights deserve way more money. I think I want to even say that guys that are out there in a patrol function precinct or an enforcement precinct should make more money. I, I don't I, – I, and they should be the first people getting promoted, and that's not the case. They're the last people getting promoted. Very few guys like Eric Dim 
got special assignment money or got a shield or any of that other shit, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and the guys that are against that, you know, it just shows you take it where it's coming from. You know what I mean? You know, why you were a fucking DV cop and you went to the squad and or you, you deserve a shield over someone else and you're a great detective. Yeah. Or you might be the best detective ever, but you got placed in there without putting in the work. So, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and, and go and, and, and pretend like these things are normal. They're not, you know, they're not normal. It's not normal that the person that does all the work. Yeah. Oh, you're like, oh, patrol guys suck. Patrol guys are this. Patrol guys are the fucking job. You could do away with every unit in the NYPD. You could not do away with people answering 911 calls. You cannot do it. 100%. You can't 100%. do it. You know, that should be uh, reviled. That should not a revile. That should be a, a revered portion of the job. That should be the best amongst us out on the street. And yes, it's such a hard job that people don't do it for a long time. Um, but it should be made to be those guys are making more money. Then you would have the better people staying in there. You would have the older guys looking to be in that position. Uh, we don't do that. Instead, uh, we treat it as if it's you know it's uh it's for the birds and it's beneath everybody to do that, to stick a, their uniform on, like you said. Oh, when was the last time he put his uniform on? They didn't, never. Like, put your uniform on for what? To go to an event? You know? Put your uniform on, get in the fucking radio console, start answering some jobs, go to fucking shit like that. Go be beholden to all the policies that you okayed, all the shit that you complained about. And then when it came down the pipeline, you never even offered, uh, you never even offered like legal resistance to it. So it's, it's, it's a joke. Complete joke. Education reimbursement. I mean, listen, there are a lot of opportunities out there, guys. I don't know that everyone really takes advantage of them. John Jay gives us a ton of shit. It's not coming through the union. It's just people out of the goodness of their heart trying to support law enforcement. And did, Tim, did you do any of those programs like through the job? I used to look them all the time. Um, but unfortunately, just was busy with other things. Never had the opportunity. But there, that, that part, I have to say, there's so many opportunities. Vocational opportunities, educational opportunities for police officers to take, you know, different ranks of file. But they they really don't do a good job of advertising these things. You kind of have to hunt for it yourself. But now with the Internet, it's been expanded with the NYPD. I I definitely encourage cops. If you go on the Internet, I'm sorry, on the NYPD Internet, if you really surf through it, you can find a lot of good information. There's people that have been sent to schools for MBAs, sent to schools in California. They do MOI instruction. I do agree with that. There are a lot of opportunities to get educational advancement in your career. And most of these are funded and you want to have to pay a dollar any money. What I did do, which I thought was awesome, I took advantage of the FEMA money. And I went to New Mexico twice. That was a great opportunity. Once it was a five-day week. Once it was um, a four-day week. There was also like bomb explosive training in New Mexico. It was totally paid for by FEMA. I didn't have to pay a dollar in my pocket. Even when I landed in New Mexico, uh, a, a, a car that a rented car was paid for. I actually got a beautiful truck. The hotel was paid for. I spent time in New Mexico at a, at a university learning about bombs, explosives. It was great training. We had a good time. Went out to eat there. Spent some time in Albuquerque. I definitely encourage people to take advantage of the FEMA money. That was awesome. Great experience. 
Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff for law enforcement out there, and even you guys that aren't in the NYPD, there's a ton mm. of stuff if you really if you really look through your department, or even if you just reach out to these universities and st- and stuff like that. There's still a lot of stuff out there, even even in the woke universities. I mean, you might not want to partake in the <laughs> curriculum when you have to say how you're so racist and why why the police department's racist and why police are inherently racist. You might have to do pay work like that that you don't agree with but they will offer opportunities so you know and john jay's a a big promoter of that you know and ton of retired guys work for john jay too so it it is a more friendly environment uh for that um yeah i definitely want to i don't want to cut you off john but i want to encourage you guys go on the fema website you actually every everyone gets a fema id it's important that you keep that fema id and you can surf through these websites and you can find educational services throughout the country they they'll give you a schedule just call up and see if it's available and usually unfortunately with the police department you have to use your own vacation time but that's a good thing to use your vacation time for get away from the police department get some training it's paid for it's almost like a mini vacation and you're learning at the same time great opportunity i really think cops should take advantage of it they just don't do a good job of advertising it you have to kind of find these things yourself yep and then we move on to the next point: free bridge and tunnel tolls. Not, <laughs> I mean, you know, I like I, I, that's ridiculous. I've, I've paid so many bridge and tunnels living on Staten Island; like it's it's crazy the amount of easy pass bills that I've paid. You know what I mean? The amount of money I paid in traveling to work. People are like, oh, commute. Hello, okay. So you might get stuck at work for thirty six hours, and you're gonna fucking then commute four or five hours home took you four or five hours to get to work and then you're gonna get four or five hours it's not it's not reasonable nobody i wouldn't expect anybody to do that you know all you all you guys and girls that are in the business world you work a nine to five job you know you've never been stuck at work you've never worked on holidays you've never worked during hurricanes you've never worked when everything is shut down and you got to get there snowstorms whatever it is I mean, unfortunately, the, the truth of the matter is cops have to drive, you know, and uh, and I see that loser, whatever the hell his name is, Gersh Kuntzman or whatever the fuck his name is, and all these other losers, like, running around um, the police precincts, you know, basically documenting your plates with the plate protectors. That's because, I'll tell you right now, I've paid so many money in camera violations for shit that I didn't even really do. Half of it was my fucking wife driving around under my registered name, getting the getting off at the highway where it, it drops from 50 to 20 and she gets sick of it. Boom. Every time for doing 25, it's ridiculous. You know, she's not speeding, but yeah, it's a ticket. It's another tax. So, you know, I see all you guys, girls with the fake plates, with the scraping off, cut the shit out, man, cut it out. Take your fucking, take the plate cover off, drive like a normal human being, park normally whatever you could do you know um i didn't even have a plaque i i probably a decade of my career i didn't even have a plaque and i worked in manhattan i worked in brooklyn i worked in places where parking sucked um i just took the feather out of the hat i'm like you know what? i'd rather get a fucking summons while i'm at work and just pay the summons than fucking then get a summons get towed Get a CD. I mean, this is these thousands of dollars out of my out of my uh, out of my pay. But yeah, you got all these people out there, and believe me, they're gonna come down on you with shit like that with with the pay with the with the plate with the fake plate. I mean, they can even get you for OGA for using one of those. I mean, we've had people collared for that. Guys with plate uh, plate flippers, uh, with you know, like don't do it. 
Take take the feather out of the hat, man. Like, just park. If you get the summons, you get a summons. If you're late to work, move your fucking car after you're done. Like, stop, don't fuck around with your plates. Don't do any of that shit. It just brings a bad light into the community that, and people think, they literally think that we're corrupt, and that's just a little sign of the corruption. And it's, you know, it, it's a bad look. So I really recommend you guys do that. And here we are 20 years later. You still don't have free bridge and tunnel tolls. So um, pension vested and guaranteed after 10 years. So pensions vested now. You're vested at five. I'm vested at five years. I, I, Tim, did that change in tier three? What, what are they vested at now? Is it ten five years? years? They, oh, 10 years they're vested now? 10 years they're vested. Okay, so he he succeeded. You're vested at ten years, guaranteed after ten years. No, you're guaranteed. Your pension's guaranteed after twenty years. Meaning, if you're at work and you get arrested um, or whatever happens, your pension you'll still get paid. I mean, the mafia cop. Uh, I think he's dead now, but he uh, he was doing hits in the six two precinct. He did twenty something years. He retired. He writes a book on how he was doing hits for the mob in the six two, um, and he eventually they link all the cases. They arrest him. They put him in jail. He was still getting his pension. So your pension is guaranteed after you do twenty years. So they did. He kind of fulfilled that. I mean, he he actually we had it better. You invested at five years, then it bounced up to ten, like Dim said. Um. Guaranteed variable supplement beyond 2007. That's something I'm going to have to do like a little history on because I'm not really sure what that is. Um, I'll tell you what it was. So there's a cap on the on the variable supplement. You know, it started out at 7,000. The cap was at 12,000. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to petition to have it where there wouldn't be a cap on it and the variable supplement would increase. Gotcha. So that, yeah. Gotcha. And that was, and I, and just to go back, that was something that Pat Lynch said was a bad deal. I think we let the city borrow $25 million. It was the guy he ran against uh, that he petitioned. I think we let the city borrow $25 million, and the variable supplement was a payback off of that $25 million. So that was probably the best investment ever out of any union, you know? And now here you are, you're capped at twelve five a year. Um, it started at 7000 like Eric said, and and then it would increase till 2007 um 500 a year until it capped out at 125 so they were trying to get the variable supplement to go beyond that that obviously did not happen here we are 20 years later it's 125 um so thank you for for clarifying that um cola increase for retirees so, Eric, you just you just spoke on that. I mean, the new guys supposedly have the cola, right? But it's not increasing you. It's it's evening you out. Whatever your pension is, it's decreasing your pension benefits. So you're actually getting less of a benefit. You know, here he's saying cola, like, we'll get a cost of living increase in our retirement. Like, oh, 2% a year or 1% a year, whatever it may be, uh, cost of living adjustment, right? Because inflation's always going to run, right? You buy property today, inflation, look at your property in 10 years. It's probably going to be doubled, you know? Um Hopefully. In New York City now, I'm a little, you know, I own some property. I'm uh, I'm starting to get a little nervous now that I'm going to have to hold this shit for 30 years. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, so that's that obviously never happened. Um, then eliminate the city waiver. Eric, you want to describe what the city waiver is? 
Oh, you told me when he lived outside the city. Um, I think I I think here it could be two things. It could be that, or it could be the city waiver where you could work. Uh, you could collect you know, on your pension and then and then work another job, like collect two pensions from the city. Oh, okay, that's that's probably what they're referring to. The city waiver usually deals with taxes, but that makes sense. Well, I I mean. Clearly, that the city wave is going on right now, right? It's all part of nepotism in the network. If you're a chief, you're an executive, you're a high-ranking member of the department. For instance, we've seen it, right, with these high-ranking members that are leaving the department onto other things. I'm sure we don't know where Kenneth Corey's next location is, but I'm sure he's onto something else. He's going to get a pension for the police department. I'm assuming he's onto something else, which is why uh, he left so happy. He's not saying a word about what's going on in the police department. So the city wave is going on, but it's not going on for the police officers. They don't have the uh, the weight. They don't have the politics in the, in the bureaucracy within the New York City to to get into that position. So I, that's where I think he's talking about with the city waiver. I, don't you agree? It's all bullshit. If I was Dermot Shea or Chief Corey, I could make three hundred thousand dollars a year and have a handsome pension. I can get myself another job. Yeah, I, I mean, get uh, another pension. Yeah, I think even Monahan isn't he working for City Hall too? He's got his own consulting company, and I think he's got a three hundred thousand dollars job too. And all these guys that retire for some reason. Their names are blocked from, you know, everything's supposed to be public information. Eric Dim's, uh, Eric Dim's whole CCRB records, public information, the whole thing. Why aren't these guys' names next to their pension? Why is it withheld by the New York City Pension Fund? We're definitely going to do some digging into that one because that's a bunch of bullshit that our names are going to be out there for well, you're going to see what John McCarr made. You're going to see what Eric Dim makes. You're going to see what everybody else makes. 99.9% of us makes. But these guys that have two hundred dollars to $300,000 a year pensions, oh, we withhold their names? I'll tell you right now why they're withholding their names. Because they're still fucking working for the city. And they, they're building another pension. You know, so it's like they're collecting another fucking salary. So that's why they're withholding their names. I mean, this is this isn't a oh we're giving up someone's address or their personal like what they wanted to do where we signed the waiver with the uh, we don't want our address released for our gun permits so that we can't have some maniacs fucking knowing where we live and your neighbor knowing that you have a gun permit or whatever the hell it is. I mean, you're a cop. I mean, not that you sh- and, and, you know, before all this, we didn't we didn't used to promote it and dangle ourselves on Twitter. I'm a police officer. Look at the arrest I made. You know, <laughs> um, you know, um, it's you know, it's fucking whatever. So whatever. Eliminate the city. I don't waiver. Wanna, oh, sorry. I, I don't, I don't want to go to- totally down that rabbit hole. But since you brought the name Monaghan. You know what? It's, it's quite fitting because during the riots, he took a knee and he's taking a knee now. I'm telling you, I, t- I tell you what, I'm calling him out right now. I'm calling you out, Monaghan. Where are you? Step up. The cops right now, even your rank and file, your, your lieutenants, captains are fighting on trial right now for CCRBs, for the riots, for the riots that you were there calling the shots. And you're not there to help them out right now. You're a piece of shit. I hate talking like that, but you're a piece of shit because these guys are out there facing suspensions, losing 20, 30 vacation days. And you were the one, the highest ranking member of the department that was there called the shots under your direction. Why are you not there at their trial saying, under my direction, this is what happened. This was a riot. He took a knee then, he's taking a knee now. I, I agree. That's not leadership. I mean, you, I mean, they're still commanding big salaries, you know. You know, I'll knock Joe Fox because he will button up with any politician there is. But he's – but. You know, I, I, 
no, because I really don't like, you know, he's sitting there hugging Eric Adams. He's, he would hug. If I got elected, you know, he'll ignore me because right now I'm a, I'm, he would consider a right wing extremist, uh, you know, uh, because I, I speak my mind, you know, or oh, I, I don't, I don't hold on to the left and I don't hold on to the right. So, you know, everybody will tell you I'm a right wing extremist or whatever the fuck that, whatever the terminology they want to use at this point. Um, but he'll button up. To, if I get elected to mayor, he'll button up to me. But one thing I'll say about the guy is, He's out there in retirement. He still shows up at precinct functions. He's still out there giving pep talks. I mean, the guy still serves the city. You know what I mean? He and and like, if if, if he loves the job, I obviously right. He loves the job. I mean, he got told to step down because he's white, and it's time for a new. It's time for some new blood, Joe. Get the fuck out. And he didn't. And he and he didn't exhibit any leadership in that moment. But. A lot of the stuff he does, he does out of the goodness of his own heart because he's still commanding a huge salary. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, and he looks at it as still as a service portion of that. So, and he, he does all the stuff without getting paid. So I'll commend him for that. And I think that if you did spend the majority of your life on this job and you are commanding a major salary from New York City, you should still be out there in the mix, especially when you made calls like that. Oh, uh, yeah, clear the block. You know, fucking all these mixed messaging. And now here it is. And and instead of being in the front line, instead of you being there with your helmet on and the picture of of Eric with with his fucking baton up all over the news, they make it like he's the worst guy ever for when he was just following orders. Instead of that being you, because that's leadership. Right. That's leadership. Eric was a leader that day. Um, He and, and, you know, he's still he's still bearing the weight of being a leader and making those decisions when the actual leadership and the actual people that made the call stepped back and ran and hit and now they're gone they're nowhere to be found but they're making the big money um last point on this was they were going to reduce auto insurance premiums i mean that didn't happen so so here's where it gets even better this is this one i love We're going to protect the rights of PBA members. We're going to eliminate the trial room. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Tell it to Sal Greco. Tell it to myself and CCOB. Eliminate the trial room, right. Going to eliminate the trial room. I mean, that's... I don't even think that's plausible. Like, I I mean, I think that's... (laughs) fucking ridiculous statement like for anyone to say that that's just ridiculous it's like elect me and i'm gonna fucking you're all gonna be millionaires i'm gonna pay all your mortgages i'm gonna pay all your mortgages elect me um so eliminate the trial room um reduce the police commissioner's discretion to terminate members without due process sal greco (laughs) yeah i sal i hope you're listening actually you know what i'm gonna send this to you because you are a prime example of the atrocities, especially in this campaign, that nothing came to fruition. You know it. You were at the trial room. That didn't happen, right? <laughs> and this, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. Sal, I'm sorry, man. You got bad bulls and one behind you. Um, and not only that, I mean, you know, they'll they'll say it's not the PC's decision, but so then if it's not the PC's decision, who runs the police department? The vaccine mandate. Where the fuck was the due process? Seven days, not even seven business days, seven days, seven days or you're terminated, seven days or you're terminated. And I'm just going to go on my case a little bit here. Seven days or you're terminated. I put in, I file for vested, I file for vested retirement because I was, we were being told at that time that if 
we didn't, they didn't know if they were going to have to put us on leave without pay, right? They didn't know if they, and I was like, I'm not going on leave without pay because once I go on leave without pay status, I can't vest. So now I'm boxed in to either get terminated or take the shot. And I wasn't, and I already had made the decision that I wasn't going to do that, right? So, so, uh, so I, uh, so I, I, I put in and I appeal. The city's saying I didn't appeal. And even in that, the city's saying now I didn't appeal. Apparently, they changed the appeal process after I appealed, never notified me. And even on my appeal, I state I'm no longer a member of the department. I put in for vested retirement. Please contact me personally. They never did. You know, crazy. So zero due process for the vaccine mandate. And where the fuck were these unions? Where were they? They're trying to say, I think even Lou Turco, I think he said it was a personal issue. Told one of the lieutenants, it's a personal issue. We can't get involved. It's not a fucking personal issue. This is a work-related issue. This is a work-related issue. This is my work telling me they're going to fire me without due process for not for taking an experimental vaccine that we don't have an approved FDA version in America. No one has gotten that version. I, mean, I don't want to say no one, but I no one that we know. No one in the police department has gotten that. And for what? I mean, if you if you really look at the stuff now, no one in the police department's vaccinated. I know a couple of guys that are, that are scared to death, and they've they're up to date on all their boosters, um, so they're super healthy. They they've only gotten COVID like eight times. Um, you know, they've only gotten like eight times. You know, and it's because of people like you that only took it once, and people like me that that never took it. Um, that they got it eight times, so they keep injecting themselves. So that's it's it's such a, a minute percentage though of people that have actually completely up to date on all of these shots. It's 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 probably less than one percent of the department. I mean, they're real paranoid people. Um, I believe that they've been victimized by the news media and by the job by throwing all this information out there. Um, so that here they are. I mean, but if you look at it now. Obviously, they said the the first shots didn't work, so no one in the police department's vaccinated currently. Currently, no one in the police department's vaccinated. Yet we have people terminated for being unvaccinated. It makes zero sense. The unions weren't here. Um, again, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I just just because anything talking about terminating members without due process, it just really, it just really pushes a button. They're gonna protect the 48 hour rule. Uh, Dim, you're familiar with the 48 hour rule, right? Could, could you explain it to the young guys? Absolutely. The young guys don't even understand what it is. God forbid you're in a situation, let's say you're in a shooting. Okay. Well, I think it was two days or 48 hours that that you have until someone could talk to you and you could be questioned, which was now it's a reasonable time, which is usually within minutes people ask you questions. But if you're in a substantial incident where you fired a shot or you're in some situation where your adversary met his demise or, God forbid, you had some trauma, that they could question you right away. But with this 48-hour rule, you had a, that's a substantial amount of time that you could sit back and get some clarity, speak with your PBA members, speak with your attorneys, and actually look back in a calm environment and what happened. But now, now guys are getting questioned right away. And that's absolutely uh ridiculous because you're in a, you're in a trauma, you're in a you're in a situation that's volatile. Um, you're not going to be thinking clearly, you're going to have narrowly pointed uh Tunnel vision, your adrenaline's going to be going on. You may say things that just are off the cuff or don't apply to the situation. We get our cops in trouble here. That 48-hour rule needs to come back. That 48-hour rule is very important. 
It's very important to our cops. You need forty dollars a substantial amount of time that you could actually make rational decisions. And when you're questioned about an incident that you took part in that could have cost the life of someone else or maybe, God forbid, another police officer. But to be questioned right away, it's absolutely ridiculous. I remember I was in that situation. I had a, I had a, 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 a suspect that was wanted for a robbery pattern, and I had pursued this person on foot. And uh, unfortunately, he ran onto the FDR drive and he, he got hit by several cars and, and he lost his life. Uh, but they questioned me about it right away. We didn't have this 48-hour rule. And I remember it was a very stressful situation. It's unfortunate, but this particular uh, perpetrator made the decision to, to run into oncoming traffic on the FDI drive. But I was questioned about it right away. I was at the DA's office the next morning being questioned about it. You need a substantial amount of time so you can actually rationalize what happened in such a traumatic uh, situation. Yeah, and like you know how that was given away? That was given away by... You can't break the pattern. You could only set the pattern. That's how that was given away. So in order to not take the pattern, which they did take the pattern, they gave away shit like that. 48 hour rule. That was given away. That was given away. Uh given can away. You, so can you break down for our cops and they understand what you mean by the pattern? So they understand why this is important, the correlation, what we mean by the pattern. Sure. So uh, I'm just going to give arbitrary numbers right now. So um, first, first city agency that goes in during negotiations um, for for a round of contract talks as the contracts come up, all of our contracts need to should be up to date all the time. Right. So as we go in and like we're on par and all of us are, are kind of up to date. This is teachers. This is everybody. First person to go to the table sets the pattern. So if the teacher's union goes in first and they take two, two, and three, that's it. That's the pattern. Um, now, they're in a different category than us. You know, there's there's the city pattern, and I forget what the name of that is, and then there's the uniform pattern. So now teachers set the pattern. They went in first, let's say. Now the uniform pattern has to come in, but they have to try to break that pattern. But they know. They can't break the pattern. They can only set the pattern. So they don't ever usually go. Everyone wants to be first to the table. So you got to be first to the table. PBA was never first to the table. So that's one, right? They were never first to the table, even though they said that golden rule, which is held true for 20 years. It's held true for even longer than that, actually. So now here comes the SBA and the LBA. They're like, oh, you know what? This wasn't a bad deal that the teachers got. Let's just fucking take it. You know, you can't set the pattern. You can only break the pattern. Uh, you can't break the pattern. You can only set the pattern. They went in first. They took the deal. Let's take the deal. Boom. Now, that's it. Uniform pattern set. That's what's been here. Uniform pattern's been set for six years. Six fucking years. Like, you're not breaking it. And, and you know, that was – and all of those messages were hysterical because I know that those were people on the PBA board. You know what I mean? Because then I didn't get one response because – there was nothing. There was nothing to be said about it because it just is what it is. I mean, it's it's not a knock on anyone. It's the fucking truth. Like it's it's you know it's like you know you take it shit personal. It's it's ridiculous. It just is what it is. Like we're just highlighting what the fuck's going on here. You know, you want to beat me up for telling the truth? Come fucking beat me up.
You know, I go, what, what do you want me to do? Like, we're sitting here having a conversation. I'm not going to shut up. Eric's not going to shut up. We're not going to be intimidated. If you have a point that you feel that we missed or we're saying something wrong, you're more than welcome to come on here and say it. You're more than welcome to even just come on my social media and come on top of me and make me look like an idiot. And you haven't done that. You know, so like, obviously... What we're saying is is it's fucking accurate. I mean, and it's not just us saying it. Like I said, we 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 speak to retired guys, we speak to active guys, we speak to guys that are very knowledgeable in these areas. Um and you know, and there and and people are pissed. Guy retired guys are pissed too. You listen, it affected all of us, it affects all of us, you know, and everyone loves this job, you know, everyone loved being a cop. This was their life. Um you're going to talk about being a New York City police officer and law enforcement the rest of your life. I don't care if you did five years or 10 years, you know, or 18 years or 25 years or 40 years. You know, this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, these are conversations we're having. Me and Eric just happen to be recording them. That's it. <laughs> like, we just happen to be fucking recording it. That's it. So, well, well, we've heard other people talk about police work. It, it, it just, that's, where, that's what separates us is we're going to give you the truth. We're going to give you the stuff that people – want to say people are thinking but they don't say it out loud just like anybody ever watched the show curb enthusiasm larry david said exactly what everyone was thinking but didn't say it. that's what we're doing we're saying what hasn't been said yet what needs to be said the truth we're not here to give you a political angle we're not sucking up to anybody we don't have to button up to anyone and listen i got my pension if i need more money i'll find it somewhere else but i don't need it from these people neither does john and we're not going to play to these people either we're not going to bow down to them we're going to give you the truth I promise you we're not going to butter up with these people. Absolutely not. And, John, that breakdown that you just gave of the pattern is fantastic. That's what the cops need to understand. We're not blaming Pat Lynch that there is a pattern set. But what we're saying is you're trying to break the pattern. you got to fall in line. And now you spent six years. It's going. It's costing millions. And each cop, it's costing you. It's hurting you. It's hurting your pension. This is not compounding interest that you're getting. You're losing that. And the tax bracket that you're going into, it's making a big difference. If you don't believe me, call your tax accountant right now and say, listen, if I get a retro at this point in December, if I get a retro for 50000 in comparison to what I'm making now, how how is that going to hurt me if my tax and file and joint, my wife or file and by myself? How is that going to affect me on my 1099, my 1040? You should ask those questions right now. Ask them how it's going to affect you on your, your 1040, and I guarantee it will. Yeah, and and just the same way you're getting a retro, the city's getting a retro because they're taking half of that money. So it's a boost. It's a boost of money for them too. So just Absolutely. just so just so we're aware, they're not looking at it like, oh, we got to give these guys the fucking retro. Yes, they want to give you as little as possible, but when the retro does come, it's a boost of money for them because they're getting that money back in tax revenue. You know, they're actually getting more than you're getting. So I mean, that's you know, I, I mean. You know, so it behooves them to keep you at a contract and our union should be keeping us up to date, whether it's small percentage, small percentage, one, two, three percent. Take it every time. You're never getting the 15 percent. I think at one point he was saying he wanted 25 percent or 30 percent. He wasn't take like something ridiculous when we settled. I was like, you're never getting that. And I literally had guys telling me that. Now I have guys telling me I we're going to go back into tier two. Like, I'm like, are you fucking delusional? Are you fucking delusional or what? The, the mayor's coming out saying there's an economic tsunami. He's getting you guys ready. Pat Lynch, those audios, if you listen to them, really think about what he's saying. Write down what he said in both of those. He's getting you ready. They're building you up. That's why it just it just solidifies the fact that our cops don't understand the pension system. 
they don't understand the tier two, the tier three pension system. You know, it this money is all utilized by the city. That's the part that these cops aren't understanding. They think that they go into with the financial crisis, they're going to get a great percentage. No, this is all connected. You have to understand. That's why, John, I agree with you. It shouldn't be just about money. Is it worth worth it for you to fight, to lose vacation days, to have an extended contract, to have a, a, a schedule that is far worse for you so you can get 3%? Maybe it would be beneficial for you to only get 2% or even zero for those six months that you have a, get a better schedule that would be better for your lifetime. And then after those six months, you get a 3% raise and that's going to be compound interest. But now you're not having to give it, give it back a schedule that the concessions are going to hinder you on your life and make your quality of life much worse. Okay. Cause it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you keep. That's what's important. How much taxes are you going to pay? How much, how much, if you're working a four day work week, if they're able, now you have less of a commute. And commutes are costly. You just said it, John. You're paying every time you commute to work. If you're paying tolls, you're paying gas, you're paying for wear and tear in your car. You had to have less appearances. And now instead of spending $500 in the year for gas, you spend $250. And these are just rhetorical numbers, but you got 2% and 3%. That's why you have to look at all the, the big picture of how where your money goes. It's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. How much taxes you're going to, 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 to make or break down. You've got to start looking at these things. You have to understand the pension system. And I said this before to my tier three members, please. You have to ask yourself, if you're one of those people that want to be on this job 30, 40 years, that's not going to happen. I'll tell you that right now. Because you're going to get to a point, the police department's going to get to a point and say to themselves, anyone with 22 years or more on the job with talent is not going to stay. Why? Because you pay 3% pre-tax and 1% post-tax to put that uniform on. When you hit 22 years, that money is not pensionable. So it's going to cost you money to wear that uniform. Is it worth it to stay an extra three years to get that cost of living? You Basically, it's not worth it. You're going to spend a dollar to make a quarter. You need to ask yourself these questions. You need to ask yourself now, because here you are, you've got a contract for six years. That is a quarter of your career. 100% what John just said. That's a quarter of your career. You need to ask yourself these questions. You need to sit down and start writing this information down. And yes, go to these pension seminars. But I promise you these pension seminars give some good information, but there's a lot of misinformation too. I mean, I'm, and sometimes at these pension seminars, they tell you that you deferred comp, that you have to take it out immediately when you retire. You can roll it over to an IRA, or if you want, you can actually have it sit there to the age of 72, and at 17 years old, then you'll have to collect. But these are things that they don't tell you. They're misinformed, and they're misinforming you. Yeah, it's it's again, I'm going to go back that 2.5% for the body camera. I'll tell you right now, if I was the union president, I would have been like, yeah, you're going to bring us way past Port Authority for my cops to wear body cameras. Because that changed the whole quality of your life, the whole quality of policing that took the most scrutinized police department in the world and made it even more scrutinized, create pressure on you, you know, and, you know, tactically too. even the even the, you know, I would never fucking lick the body camera on in the heat of the moment. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you could say the same, Eric, heat of the moment you're driving. You're driving. You're, you're bullshitting with, your, with, with the guy next to you. You're fucking breaking each other's balls. You're arguing. You're smoking a cigar. You're looking around. Boom. There's three masked men with a gun in someone's belly right to your right. They look at the unlock. They're like, oh, shit. You know what the last thing on my fucking mind would be? I mean, I've never done it because I never wore a body camera. But fucking what 
turn my body camera on is the first thing I have to do. And I, and if I don't do that, I get fucking disciplined. This is what I have to worry about when someone's potentially dead, when I'm potentially going to get shot at, when there's numerous fucking factors going on here. I got to worry about running someone over, fucking the other people on the street, tons of different fucking aspects of this. And so many different things, split second decisions, but boom, the most important thing is if you don't turn that body camera on, we're going to slam you. So we just add in more criticism. You could take that 2.5% and shove it up your fucking ass. That thing is worthless for the amount of that body camera. And now I just want to go back on that vaccine mandate for one more time that the, uh, the, the, the city deal is basically saying, oh, through arbitration, you could tell your members that they have to take this vaccine. What's what's what, 2.5% acceptable for you? Because I'll tell you right now, it's not going to say 2.5% for you guys to take the COVID vaccine. It's going to say 2.5% for you to take anything. That's going to be flu shots. That's going to be up-to-date boosters. You're going to be a fucking pincushion for percentage points. It's... it's <laughs> I, I, like, what is that worth to me? Nothing. There is no, there is no dollar value you could tell me. There is no dollar value you could tell me that you're gonna tell me I'm gonna stick whatever these fucking morons want in their body, and Eric Adams and all his boys are gonna be exempt from it. Absolutely not. Take the money, shove it up your fucking ass, because that's what you're gonna get. Two point five percent. And why? You're gonna smile? I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Fucking morons. Morons. Like smarten up. Get your head in the game. Start putting pressure on these people. That's it. You know, it's it. That's that's the only way this shit is going to change. When there are more people coming out, and I'm not saying you got to be a rebel rouser, but you should be running for delegate. There should be a list of people who are running for PBA president right now. I only know of one other guy. I've seen a couple of people running for trustee spots. I don't even see a fucking platform. I don't even see a platform. I want to see a fucking platform. You want to be the president? I want to be the boss, but I'm going to be the same as the old boss, but it's just going to be me this time, so it's going to be better. I want to see fucking platforms, and that's what you should be saying. Like, what are you going to do? The delegates are hard one. I get it. The delegates, like, they really are powerless, but you know what they are? They're fucking information gatherers, and if you're not getting information and they're not giving you their analysis and what's being said and their analysis, they're not. that's their fucking job at this point. That's it. You know, they're not going to your delegates not going to get you anything. It's 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 the president. But they're going to they're the, they're they're your eyes and ears out there. So that's what you need. You need someone that's going to come back and give you the truth and not sell the fucking company line because they're looking to butter up to Pat Lynch so that maybe they could get their appearance. Fucking they could get a trustee spot or whatever. He could pull their appearance and then they don't have to be in uniform and they don't have to go to the commands ever again. And they could sit up at the PBA, go get to their free dinners and talk all this bullshit and then sell you nonsense about the contract. Oh, we're working on the contract, the arbitrator. There's things we can't tell you that we're talking about. Why can't you tell me what the fuck's going on with the contract, though? Why is that not transparent? Why? What is there? What is there that's so confidential that they can't tell you what those talks are about? It, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I listened to the, the that one audio. I, I, I think it was Puglisi saying like, yeah, you know, we're back and forth every day. We're working on this. We're working on that. He didn't give you one scenario that they actually what, – what it was like, oh, you know, we, we'll talk about this one day. This will be an eight-hour day. No, it sounds like there's a couple of back and forth a day, maybe five, ten minutes. It sounds like this thing is being dragged out. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, 
here's my favorite. And this one, Eric's going to love this one. Eric is going <laughs> to love this one. Remove unsubstantiated and unfounded CCRB complaints from the record. Oh, yeah. All right. Can you tell us how, how many of those were removed for you? Zero. And even, well, there's an allegation against me that I had a perpetrator that we arrested who was wanted for robbery. The allegation from that complaint, it was that I stuck my finger in his ass. Clearly, complete lie. I don't want to stick my finger in any man's ass. Okay. Uh, I even heard the CCRB statements that he made. I mean, it was so matter of fact. Yeah, he stuck a finger in my ass. And they just kept on to the next question. If it was really that big of a deal, you should lock my ass up. Honestly, that was the most ridiculous thing. It went to trial because I was substantiated from the CCRB. I got charges. It went to trial. I won. I was found not guilty. And if you look at my CCRB record on the 58, it still says substantiated. So forget about unfounded that's being removed because that one, I won at trial and it's still on my record. Yep. I mean, These are and, stains on your record that never get removed. So, and then I just want you, everyone to take this into perspective. Clean Slate Act. Right? Clean yeah. Slate Act. Uh, all of this fucking shit, the shit now that, that oh, your criminal record can't be given to landlords. You're a sexual predator and nobody should know it just because you attracted to minor people. Um, all of these fucking crazy laws. Basically, now we have, we could have career felons. If they're good for seven years, you can't see what's on their record. Not only can't you see what's on their record, it gets expunged. It's clear. They could become cops. Right? But you get Eric Dim. He's got you. You fucking get one allegation because some maniac's trying to get a lawsuit, and their lawyer told him, just say they stuck the finger up your ass because that's what cops do. Tell them they stuck the finger up your ass. Gets completely unfounded. That's going to be on your record forever. You go to get a federal job. You go to run for office. These things are going to come up. And you know what? It's not anything you should shy away from. You should just tell the truth. But this is a fucking problem. This is make this it, 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 it it's going to be a problem for you forever. It's always on your record. These things should already be removed. And if we're removing robberies and gunpoints and shootings and rapes and murders, if we're removing that from criminals' records, then why is not even a substantiated complaint removed from an officer's record ever? Right? What? So where yeah. there's two tiered society again? Two tiered society again. Two tiered cops are third class citizens at this point. I would say in most cases and things in life that after a certain amount of time elapses, they get removed. Even if someone claims bankruptcy, that comes off your, your credit report after seven years. But here it, 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 you have an opportunity. Arrest records are sealed. But a, a, a civilian complaint is never removed from your record. Now, I, I always give the scenario, even if we had a cop with two, three years on the job, and let's say they didn't understand and how to talk to people, that, that wasn't their forte, and they get substantiated complaints. In ten years, in ten years from that point on, we would hope that we're training this person. Obviously, is going to get better with time. They go in to become experienced and veterans. And believe me, if they're not, they're going the police department, police their own. They're going to weed these people out. Is this person ten years later the same person that they were ten years prior as a cop? No, and yet that's still on their record. And that's why even when someone claims bankruptcy, it's removed off your record or other things like that, even arrest. If you're a juvenile on your adult record, uh, it, it's it's sealed because you're not the same person. We evolve. Even someone that spends 20 years in jail, right, for a murder. In, in, in many cases, 
right? They have an opportunity for parole because now the parole board looks at this person. They're not the same person that they were 20 years ago. But you get a civilian complaint in 2022, you get hired. In 2042, in 20 years from now, you're going to have that same complaint on your record. You're not even the same person at all. This is why people get divorced. People are married for 10, 20 years and they, they, they grow and they change. They become two different people. But now, according to the Civilian Complaint Review Board, you're substantiated with the same exact person. You did the job the same way. And it never comes off your record. It's a stain you just can't get rid of. And yeah. that, I think, is completely ridiculous. Yeah. And when Eric's dim kids are older or his grandkids are older, they're going to look that up and be like, oh, my God, my grandfather shoved his finger up somebody's ass. It's not even fucking true. Yeah. And it's not even true. You know? No. <laughs> they're like, oh, this guy was a maniac. He was a fucking – he was a state-sponsored brutalizer. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Jumani Williams' great grandson is right about him. You know, <laughs> even in his complaint, he said the cop was wearing gloves. I didn't even have gloves on because I was never prepared to put my finger in his ass. But that's not the point. The point is, I was found not guilty, and it's still there. And that's the argument that Copwatch has had. Every time Copwatch tries to argue about my record, and it's been informed to them through myself and other parties that I was found not guilty on that case. They still show the 58. It says substantiated. So, you know what? I understand that point. For them, they're right. Well, look, it still says substantiated because that's what they see. It's unfortunate. This has to be changed. Patlish, you obviously didn't succeed. That was 1999. Here we are 23 years later, and you haven't made any success with that. We need new blood in there. We need someone that's going to change the CCRB record. And we need someone to support the cops with the vaccine mandate. And when you said earlier that someone said uh, it's it, it's personal, no, it's not personal. Because if it was personal, that you wouldn't have to disclose if you were vaccinated or not because you would be bound to HIPAA laws. But here you are. You're actually having a little card saying, look, I got injection. Or... I've got an injection that keeps my job. So is it personal or it's not? They have to pick they have to pick and set the lines. You can't play both sides. I'm sorry. Uh just thanks for the, the HIPAA law. I just want to talk about that one second. So so HIPAA and all of these and OEO and all all the people that have investigated this are saying, well, it's not HIPAA. It doesn't violate HIPAA for the job to know if you're vaccinated against COVID. I'll tell you right now, that's a bunch of bullshit. I looked up the law. They rewrote it right around that time, right? They rewrote the policy. Um, And basically, even when they rewrite it, it says, well, it must be protected, though. Your employer could ask for it, but it still has to be very protected. Your fucking status is not protected. One, every boss on the job knows that you need to be tested. And you need to wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. So you're, HIPAA, you're right then and there. It's not there. And then I'll even go on further. Besides the bosses, there's tons of uniform members of service that could see it. It's right there in the forms. You could see everybody's vaccination status. So the NYPD did a horrible job of protecting your uh, your 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 HIPAA law, your medical thing. And I got one better for you. Ask for the data for who got approved medical exemptions. You know what they're going to tell you? I can't give it to you. Do you know why? HIPAA law. <laughs> you know why? Do you know why when you got a perp's blood on you, you couldn't ask if he had AIDS? I mean, you could ask him, but he didn't have to divulge it, and the hospital would never tell you his medical back, his medical history, even though they knew? Guess what? HIPAA law. So they're fucking full of shit. 
They're full of shit. It's another law they violated. Uh, it's another law that was violated in that whole thing. But how, does the police department, how does the police department get away with violating every every rule, every law, and yet they keep double down? They double down when they violate a law. They violate it again by implementing another law to violate that law. I know it sounds kind of funny, but it's exactly what they do. How do they get away with this? Because they showed their hand. Uh, we all showed our hand. We're fucking weak. We're not unified. We're not united. If we had a united front and said, you know what? We're not fucking writing summonses no more. This is bullshit. Or none of us are going to take this thing. Believe me, that vaccine mandate would have went in the garbage. They would have said, oh, you know what? Miraculously, everyone would have got fucking approved religious exemptions. And and that would have been it. It would have went away. You know? Uh, but we're not a united front. We're not a united front. Basically, you'll do whatever they're told. And I keep asking, what will you not do for your pension? And if you can't answer that fucking question, you don't deserve to wear a badge. You don't deserve to get paid for anybody. You don't deserve to ever manage a person in any type of business or any form. If you cannot clearly answer a fucking one question, what will you not do for your pension? I mean, these are simple things. I will not stick my mother in a fucking oven. I will not take a little girl and throw her on the train. I will not violate law. I will not pull someone out of their home because the state told me they're dirty and they need to get out of here. I mean, if you can't answer these questions, I mean, what, where, where have you, are you alive? Do you have a soul in you? Do you have a brain in your head? Do you not read history? Like, what do you do? Do you just watch the Kardashians? And you look at Jersey Housewives, like, what the fuck do you do? You know? And, but John, uh, you and I, John, you and I say it all the time, though. Think about this. If you were the mayor, why would you fight? Why would you fight for these guys to get a substantial raise? You, you and I say it all the time. We tell each other, they have to do the job anyway. Yeah. So why do we even care if they get paid? I'll violate your contract right now. I'll fucking cut your pay in half. Oh, economic tsunami. Cutting your pay in half. Guess what? What are you guys going to do? I think they're going to put us back in tier two. They're going to fight. They're going to fight to get us back in tier two. We're going to get it. And then when you're 70 years old and you're not in fucking tier two and you still only get one check a month and you never get that money back, I mean, what? Yeah, they fought. Didn't win. That's all I ever hear is talk. I mean, sometimes when they have these conferences, when there's a shooting or something happens and and – the Chiefs put on Pat Lynch to talk. I almost think they stand there and listen. They probably left him. So I was like, look, this guy is feeding them a bunch of bullshit. Do these guys actually believe it? I asked myself, because they must think it. They have to. Well, I always say it. I mean, it annoys me when he's up there at those hospital press conferences. Who the fuck is he talking to? The people that could change the scenario, the district attorneys, the politicians, the mayor, the police commissioner are all standing next to him. And he's yelling at the crowd. That overwhelmingly yeah. supports us. You're yelling at the people that support us. You're yelling at the cops that are standing there supporting their brothers and sisters. You're yelling at the community that's there outraged because of what happened to our police or what happened out in the streets. Who the fuck are you yelling at? And what the fuck are you doing about it? You know, because at the end of the day, I just keep saying, you could say all the things you want. If you do not put up a legal battle, what the fuck does it matter? You're full of shit. Things sound great. Actions a lot better, right? Actions a lot better. 
You know, everyone, every, everyone's starting a podcast when they retire, right? Everyone's starting a podcast on this job when they retire. Everybody's going to do it. You know, none of you are going to do it because you're full of shit, right? Same way everyone, oh, when I retire, I'm going to wear a fucking, I'm going to wear a Let's Go Brandon shirt and tell the job to go fuck themselves. Oh, first guy that did it, Tommy Gambadilla, fucking slammed. Oh, disrespectful, this, that, the other thing. I'm like, this guy just did what everyone else said they were going to do. Right? Fucking everybody else. I, when I retire, I'm going to come out to the news media and I'm going to tell everybody exactly what's going on. I'm going to tell them exactly what's going on with, with the pay. You know who did it? Eric Dim. You know who else did it? Fucking nobody. That's and, and like and and that's and that's the whole shit. It's all a bunch of fucking talk. They're not going to do that. You know how many times I sat there as a lieutenant at details or wherever the fuck it was, and I had some dick cop look across from me, a sergeant. Yeah, and they were talking to someone else, but they were looking at me because I'm in a position of authority, saying, "Yeah," and I ain't taking that fucking shot because this is America. Sitting there like I took the fucking shot, and I'm the one that agrees with it, and all this shit because I'm sitting there wearing a white shirt, and every time it fucking annoyed me, and every time I said the same thing. I'll bet you money you're going to take that fucking shot. I'll bet you a lot of money you're going to take that fucking shot. And, you know, instantly shut them down. Instantly. Boom. Went from big, tough guy. I'm not going to take the shot. I was like, all right, then you're going to get fired. And you're, you're, you're either. So you're, are you, I'm like, oh, are you vesting out? No, I'm not vesting out. I'm not taking it, though. Oh, okay. I was like, you're going to take the shot. You're going to take the shot. And that happened to me about. I'm not kidding, about 30 or 40 times. And when everyone, the day before people got scared to put the exemptions in and everyone was rushing to 1PP and all the fucking district surgeons are sitting around like circle jerking each other, like, hey, this is great. This is completely normal that we're fucking sticking people with all this shit. The guys that, again, I was in uniform that day. I walked downstairs, like literally, I was, I couldn't even believe what was going on. I kind of like bumped into it by accident. And, uh, I'm like, what the fuck is this? People are crying. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And at one point, this fucking kid comes out. I don't know if he was in narco, if he was in gang, if he was in warrants. Big kid, right? Fucking muscular kid. I I had no fucking choice. I had no choice. And he almost like buckles up on me like he wants to fight. Because here I am in, in uniform. You know, walking down. Um, it's my fault that he took the shot, right? It's somebody else's fault. It's not his fault. I had no choice. I had no choice. I'm like, everybody got a choice. And I just fucking walk. And I just kept walking. Everybody's got a choice. I had no fucking choice. And he's yelling at me as he's walking out of one PP. Yeah, whatever, bro. I like, whatever. You fucking mad at me for what you did? I did. And I, and I, I know. And all my friends were like, bro, just take the shot. Don't leave. What are you doing? And I was like, dude, I was like, it's one thing if you fucking held me down right now. And stuck needle in my arm. There's nothing I could do about it, right? You held me down. You did it against my will. It's a totally different thing for me. You're making me do something I don't want to do. I have to willingly sit there, sign off on something that I don't agree with, and do it. You're you're breaking me. I was like, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't do it. I was like, what's next? What's next? It's going to be like, let me just stick my finger in your wife's ass while you watch. And uh, you can't imagine. Like, what's the big deal? It's safe and effective. It protects everyone. I just want to stick my finger in your wife's ass while we watch. Like, what's what's next? Like, what is next? 
you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, it, it, it's, it's, it, it, it's, and that's the thing. They, we, we got exposed. We're fucking weak. We're weak. That's it. We're weak. Weak men create hard times. We're in a fucking hard time because we're not the men that our grandfathers and our fathers were. And that's just, and that's just, and, and, and that's true for all of us. We're just not, we're just not those you know, people. They say World War II is the best generation of men ever. And, and you know, the reason why is because they actually came together. They were patriotic and they all believed in being hard alpha men, alpha women. They all support their country. They support the police. I mean, we had famous baseball players. Think about it. Think about the difference then to, to now. We had famous ba- baseball players. Ted Williams, they gave up his career to go to war. Do we Do we don't have – and that's why I say that here are police departments supporting these athletes. I don't see Aaron Judge or any of these athletes saying, you know what, we're not going to play baseball until you make things right and support our police and say, hey, we have to be bound by the same rules that they do. No, but they want to make the money. Ted Williams, other baseball players just like himself, they gave up their careers to play baseball to support their country. We lost it. Here's an opportunity for our athletes to support their country and say, hey, we're taking a stand. We're not going to go out there. We're not going to support our fans unless we support our local police department, support our military. No. They think about themselves. We're in a total different generation than we were a generation then. That's why that was the best generation of men and women. Absolutely. There's, I have a ton of jerseys. I used to have a ton of basketball, baseball, football jerseys. There's only two jerseys I wear now, and I and 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 I, and I want to make it a third. I wear the Army football jersey. I want to get a Navy football jersey. I haven't got it yet. And I, I Pat Tillman because he's a Pat fucking Tillman, Pat Tillman baby. Arizona State, you know, fucking number forty-two. He gave up a multi-million-dollar contract to go serve overseas, and he was killed while training. That guy is a fucking hero. That guy is somebody that I'll go out of my way to watch, that I'll go out of my way to honor. You know, these fucking guys that sat there, that played alongside of him and took a knee to this flag for bullshit, for they don't even know why they took a knee. Oh, I'm just doing it in solidarity. Okay, fuck you then. You, 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 you're disgracing our country. You're disgracing everything that's made you, you know, um, Britney Griner thing. That thing's a fucking joke. I mean, we, oh leave, my God. we leave a Marine and, and you know, I'm not saying I want Britney Griner in jail in Russia. I, I don't really give a fuck about her, to be honest with you. But she actually did something wrong. We've had people serving this country that are guilty of treason. And people are going on his record. Oh, do you know that he was court-martialed for stealing? I'm like, okay. He was still serving the country. What She was fucking violating their country's law with drugs. Like, I mean, what? Like, where does it go? We had a, we have another guy overseas now for in Russia who had medical marijuana, and he's under arrest for using medical marijuana. Like an older man who was never arrested in his life made a fucking mistake. You know that guy got left too. I'm not saying that Biden was wrong for bringing her back. I'm just saying what the fuck about all these other people? But now in, instead of instead of us in unity saying let's get everybody home, we're starting to say yeah, you know what? But Brittany Griner. She's she's the hero, and these people, those people are bad. It's like what? How, how crimes don't matter, but this guy serving our country because he did something ten years prior, we should forget about him. Leave him in Russia to die. And you know, and the whole thing with with Trump. Oh, Trump didn't do anything. Yeah, he didn't. You're hundred fucking percent right. So that does not make what Biden did right. 
does not make it. Yeah, he was sitting there shaking hands with Putin, and he didn't bring those fucking people home either. You're 100% right. But that does that does not okay what Biden did. just doesn't. just doesn't. Well, at least, at least we know when uh, Biden is up for re-election, we know who Brittany Griner is going to vote for. <laughs> <laughs> I still say she'll sell him out. She'll still sell him out. I can't wait to see him for the flag. I agree. I mean, listen, I think what she did was so minor, and here, it, here it's not even a crime. But when you go to another country, you have to understand that you're bound by their rules, you're bound by their laws, and you have to be careful. You have to be smart, and that was absolutely idiotic. I don't think it's wrong, say, you know, rescuing her. But if we're going to rescue her, can we rescue the, the Marine Police? Can we rescue the other people as well? It, it can't be just good for one, but not good for everybody else. It kind of this parallels what you talk about with the vaccine. It's good for some, but not good for others. Yeah. Why do some people get exemptions and some people don't? Because they're high society? Yeah. I mean, and, and the deal was awful. I mean, we gave away the, uh, an arms dealer. Like, we gave away the dealer of death. We gave away a high-profile military target for someone who could dunk a basketball. Like, well, you I know mean, what? the deal was horrible. Like, it was, again, just shows lack of negotiation skills in our, in our politicians because – Joe Biden sold everybody a wolf's ticket, just like the wolf ticket I'm reading out on this fucking podcast right now from right. 20 years ago. That none of it, I mean, none of this has came to fruition. I'm actually going to post this too today. And then I'm going to make this the cover of this podcast because this is just too good. Like you guys got to, you guys got to get that out there and share it. It's, it's just too fucking good, man. I'll make it the cover of the podcast. I'll make it the, uh, I'm going to make, I can't make it the, not for the audio version. The audio version will continue to be our logo, but this will be the cover of our podcast for the YouTube and Rumble version. Please subscribe to our Rumble too. Uh, been getting a lot of stupid shit going on here, and I think I'm going to start to get the platform on some of these sites. The truth is a motherfucker. So when you start saying it, everybody's coming at you. So please join our Rumble too. In case we do get deplatformed, you're already there. Same thing, New York's finest retiring and unfiltered podcast. Uh, you know, so I'm just I'm just worried about the deplatforming. So I'm going to these places that don't. Um, so but uh you know, continue to support us, the YouTube, the audio. Just wanted to throw that out there. Let's get on to the next portion. Require all CCRB complaints to be sworn under oath. <laughs> Yeah, but any of your complainants that complained against you sworn on the oath of perjury? First of all, they weren't even sworn on the oath. <clears throat> I've heard some of my complaints that were intoxicated. They were still induced by, by substances. Or they were still in jail while they were giving their, their complaints. They were never under oath. And, and, and also, they were also encouraged. They, were, uh, they got many leading questions on what to say. And actually encouraged to, to, to make lawsuits. This is absolutely ridiculous. Yes, they should be under oath and they should be held for perjury because, in my case, most of them were complete lies. I arrested these people for shootings, robberies, but complete lies. And some of these were, were petitioned by third parties, but the people that did make the complaints on their own, complete lies. Totally. In, in particular, the one that I was found not guilty, this particular. CCRB complaint was in jail for trying to stab a Parkchester peace officer. While he was in jail, he sliced a correctional officer to the face. And he said that I stuck a finger in his ass, never under oath, 
I mean, this guy had totally was delusional, suffered from mental illness, was was just total maniac to society, and yet his complaint stood. And he never even had to testify at the trial. He was still a Rikers. He refused to. He told CCRB to fuck themselves. Absolutely ridiculous. He should have been charged with perjury because he lied, and there was no evidence to show that even no one stuck a finger in there in his ass. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was the most ridiculous thing. I'm a grown man. I have kids. It's not something that we want to do. It's so ridiculous. No, yeah. I had a uh, we did. I did a snoo op once. There was a uh, there was like a big complaint that on Sagayan Avenue in Staten Island there was a uh, there was they were dealing drugs outside of a, at the train station after people came out of the methadone clinic. So we got like a borough van. It had the stupid fucking periscope in it. I sat in there and I just watched these two come up deal fucking heroin to all the methadonians, right? Locked up. I forget how many people that day. It was like seven or eight. Um, the guy and the girl that were dealing, I bring them in. They both write written confessions. I would always do the same thing. You know, I would always give them, the, I would say, I would read them their rights. I would say, you don't have to say anything. You Or you could write a letter to the judge and I'll present this to the DA and maybe they'll have mercy on you. Right? And more often than none, after I read the rights, they would... They would tell that story, whatever it was. I'm a drug addict. I did this. I'm sorry I did this. This kid was wanted on multiple robberies. He had bad history. He, he Total perp. His girlfriend confessed basically that he was forcing her to do this. And, you know, and she was sorry. And they basically confessed to everything that I said what happened and, and even further onto what they were doing. Um, And... Anyway, I guess when he goes home and he sobers up, he realizes what he did. And I guess he talks to the girlfriend and she probably divulges what happens to him. So he goes home and he burns his girlfriend on the stove and he burns himself on the stove. And he says that I brought them in the interrogation room and I burned them on the radiators inside of the interrogation room. IB goes out. It was like a call out, whatever. They fucking debunked the thing right away because it the, the I mean it might have helped if it was the winter time and the fucking heat was on in the building, but it was the summer. So obviously there's no radiators going on. Um, there were radiators in the interrogation room, but it's the summertime, so we have the AC pumping, and he they were uh, handcuffed to the interrogation bar, not the not the radiator, like he said. So that happens, but then I have to go down to CCRB about this i have to go down to ccrb about this and you know and and the questioning kind of starts off along the lines of are you know describe the interrogation room for me and i'm like it's four walls a window and uh a a bar how how do you how do you handcuff your prisoners i'm like "I, i handcuff one hand to the bar and uh that's it and they sit across the table from me and that's it is there a radiator in the room i'm like i don't know because I really didn't even know. I was like, at that point, right. I didn't. I wasn't really fully aware of the allegations and all that stuff. I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. And then I, I get like a moment of clarity when she keeps continues to go on to the radiator. And I'm like, I wonder what the fuck they said that I did. You know, and I said, well, I said, I've never I said, I don't know if there's a radiator in there, but I'll tell you one thing. I've never ever cuffed a prisoner to a radiator because it could easily be broken. There's there's pipes in there that a copper you could pull off of it. You could pull a radiator off the wall. I've said I've never cuffed anyone to a radiator. I said, um, and I 
don't know why I would ever do that. And I, I kind of alluded to the fact that I would never do it, especially in the winter, because someone could possibly be burned. But, you know, this was the summertime and the radiators were cold and not working. So you could easily it would be even harder to rip it off the wall. So I would I would never, ever do that. You know, like kind of like alluding to that fact. But basically, those people lied. You know what I mean? And if I would have had a bullshit IB investigator come up, I mean, I could have got arrested right then and there. I mean, I already I had a fucking a serious allegation made against me right then and there, right? This is police work. I had a serious fucking allegation made against me. I burned a woman on a stove, right? Like I burned I burned not on a stove, I burned on a radiator to confess, right? These are fucking serious arrestable allegations. I could have served in a in a court trial, right? Um so, you know, IB for us is is a good thing because it eliminates you having to go right to a district attorney. Because if we didn't have internal affairs in the NYPD, the first course of reaction when that person made that complaint is I would go to a guy like Alvin Bragg and he would review that case and determine whether I was an arrest or not. So, I mean, so so that aspect of IAB is good. My point is, however, when they found out that he was lying, when he contradicted himself and then admitted it, he should have been arrested right there. It's filing a false report, right? Should have been arrested right there, right, for, for making the IB complaint. But now I still have to answer for it in CCRB. I still have to fucking answer for it. And again, his complaints holding validity when it was already disproven that none of this shit happened. And again, so here we are. I mean, none of this shit's true. And I, I, I'll take that a step further. It shouldn't just be fucking we should be prosecuting people that are found guilty of lying and that admit to lying and that cause the city all of this money and in investigations like so it's it goes even just beyond the ccrp it goes even further to if you're making an ib complaint against me and you admit later on down the road or it's provably false through a video you should be held to the same standard as any other person in the world you made a false report you should be arrested you know, that's and, and that obviously clearly is not there. You know, um, provide competent lawyers and ensure continuity of representation. <laughs> well, <clears throat> first of all, it's the most ridiculous thing. When you are represented at a civilian complaint, a CCRB investigation, you're given about a three to five minute window to have an interview with the attorney who's going to represent you for, in most cases, a serious case because the CCRB is leaning towards substantiating for charges, especially with this matrix. If you have any type of disciplinary record, you're ahead of the charges. So the first time that you meet with your attorney, your representation, your good representation that you're getting for your interview, your that's going to be recorded, your investigation is with an attorney that you meet three to five minutes before your actual presentation, before your actual interview. That is not enough time for representation. Why? Because they don't want to pay for it. You should meet with these people prior to the uh, interview. It should be, I, I, I say, it should be about 30, 30 minutes to an hour should be the amount of time where you sit down with this attorney. That you're not getting. Absolutely not. You go to a CCRB investigation, IAB inspections, you're getting representation, three to five minute window. 
Yep, that's it. So you're not getting proper representation. You're not getting continuity. The guy doesn't even know your case. He's getting it for three seconds before. You're going in there. You're completely unprepared. Half the time, you don't even know what's going on. Like I just said, I'm stepping in that CCRB interview basically blind. I know the date and the arrest. I know it's about that arrest, but I don't know the details of what I'm being accused of. I think they got a little better with telling you what you're accused of. But at that time, I didn't even know. I was like completely went in there blind. I just knew the date. I knew the date, and that was it. I knew the well, it's funny of- that you say that. It's funny you say because I remember, and, and maybe you could tell me this because I know you worked for Internal Affairs, but I, it says in the patrol guide that you have a right to know your accuser. You have a right to ask what the investigation is about. And when I would go for an interview, CCRB, IAB, whatever the case, inspections, I would always ask, ask when I sat down, please tell me what are the allegations that, what are the allegations that I'm facing? And and they would sometimes would just give me a quick summary. I said, no, give me a breakdown. I want to know what the allegations, each allegation is. And they would get mad and they would get perturbed and almost insulted that I would ask them, where's the transparency? That is my right. We talk about the 48-hour rule. There's certain rights that you have. I used to make my cops read it. I wanted it to be savvy and understand before you go for an interview that you know your rights. You have a right to know your accuser. You have a right to know who's in charge of the investigation. You have a right to know of the allegations in detail and they didn't like to answer those questions could you tell me why i can't tell you why i mean because it's not a transparent organization but i will tell you this when you get notified for ccrb i would go to your integrity control officer and i would make him call ccrb and find out what your allegations are if you're not made aware of them what's the allegation what's the date of the incident what allegations were made against you they should, they should have that. There's a, again, IAB has a CCRB liaison office. Have your ICO call them um, and, and go. If, if he's not willing to do that, call him yourself. Say, hey, I just want to know what my allegations are against me. Um, and that's it. Um, I mean, that is, like you said, you have the right to know. You're being accused of something. You, you have the right to due process on this job. So, Absolutely. I mean, even though we clearly see that we're not. Um, so, we're going to get to the last points of this. Eliminate Solo Patrol. So Solo Patrol was eliminated after Cecil Sledge was murdered. I believe he was murdered in 1980. I forget the exact date. But Cecil Sledge was murdered. His partner was out for a week. He was working together in a sector car. He was working in the 6-9 precinct. And uh, I believe he was working the Gravesend section of Brooklyn. And there was a perpetrator out who was being looked at for doing robberies with a firearm. And there were multiple reports of this individual running around with a gun. And everyone said this kid's carrying a gun. Anyway, uh, Cecil Sledge gets the call. He's on solo patrol handling a sector by himself like he had been all week prior. He gets the 911 call. He goes to approach the perpetrator. Uh, perpetrator lets off a round, strikes Cecil. Cecil shoots back, strikes the perpetrator. Um, shoots back, strikes the perpetrator. Goes as while shot. I believe he was shot in the in the. Uh, I believe I don't remember the exact details, but. He gets to the car. He gets to the car, and basically the perpetrator drags Cecil, and he's killed. They believe he's killed by the dragging of the vehicle, not by the not by the uh, the bullets itself. And 
Cecil shoots him again. He crashes into someone's house. He holds someone hostage. Um, and at that point, they eliminated Solo Patrol. Eric Adams tried to bring it back in transit recently. Um, so, um, and and that and that actually got implemented, which was you know it got implemented, and then we almost had a transit officer get killed that very same day, and it went away. Um, but that just shows like how where's the P- where was the PBA? I would have been like absolutely not. They're not doing it. They're not doing it. They're not going out on Soul Patrol. No officer will go out on Soul Patrol. No officer will go out on Soul Patrol. They're not doing that, so they're not representing you guys. The only reason it got pulled back is because a cop almost got killed that next day. There was almost another cop killed, like it was Cecil Sledge. And Cecil Sledge's family has to deal with this perpetrator coming off of parole all the time, constantly. I believe it's every two years. It's another battle. It's another battle. It's another battle to keep these to keep these perpetrators in. Um, you know, I mean, the guy murdered a cop, and he wasn't a good person. I, you know, he fucking held hostage after the situation. He had numerous arrests prior to it. Um, it's uh, it's it's unfortunate. You know, it it really is. It's an it's an unfortunate incident. Um, so solo patrol. I mean, that was already removed. So I don't know what what he was eliminating at that point. Increased patrol strength. He's not in charge of that. PBA is not. I mean, they you know, they're not in charge of that. They they're not. That it's decast hiring all that stuff. I mean, you could lobby, but we don't see any lobby. Increased patrol strength. The the patrol went down like nine thousand cops in the last ten years, and probably we're gonna be down. Uh, we're probably going to be down 13,000 cops very shortly. And then, like we said, this department's going to be cut in half. Where is he? All over the vaccine mandate. Nothing. Um, upgrade telecommunication for members. Uh, yeah, we've been doing that. The job's been doing that. The city's been doing that. The radio's all getting better. Um, you know, the overall communication system in New York City is getting better. Um, correct unsafe and unsanitary conditions in police facilities. Eric, you want to talk about that? That's another joke. There's actually a 301 complaint that's out there right now for the 49 precinct, where 49 precinct personnel anonymously made a complaint through 301 that their basement area smells, there's leakage, there's sewage coming in. It's disgusting. It's deplorable conditions. Some of these guys work on them. You and I were just talking about it. PSA 2, which is a housing location, is the worst in the city I've ever seen, you've ever seen. These guys are constantly they're working out in the gym that's in the precinct. Underneath the waste pipes, these waste pipes are sometimes leaking. They have floods there constantly. Sewage, there's stuff in their locker. It just gets damaged, disgusting. Who knows the contents that are coming in? I remember I worked at PSA 4. We had a shut up. We were working in a blackout during the time with Hurricane Sandy. That place was flooded about eight feet high. They never cleaned it properly. We've had numerous deaths, supposedly natural causes from PSA 4. And I do believe my my assumption is that some are possibly related to the contents that we were breathing in from Hurricane Sandy. And also we've had some deaths, which I believe could be related to the vaccine mandate, which is unfortunate. But cops are working in deplorable conditions. It hurts morale. I mean, in most cases, you walk into a, a precinct within the city. The bathrooms are disgusting. The, the paint's chipping off the wall. It's just deplorable conditions. These are not conditions that people should work on. They're disgusting. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how Pat Lynch doesn't take a stand on this. You should walk into PSA 2 and see the deplorable conditions that these cops work on. These housing locations are disgusting. I mean, I've seen PSA 2, PSA 8, it's in housing, it's disgusting. PSA 7, the building is falling apart. They supposedly had these cleaning crews come in. 
You need these places to be cleaned for years. And some of these places, they just have to be uh, decimated. They need to, to take these buildings down and start over. They're so old and who knows, it's lead coming off these paints. It's really disgusting, the poor, because it's a shame that these cops have to work on this. But Pat Lynch never talks about it. All he does is talk about failed contracts. Failed contracts for six years without a contract. I don't care what you get. You, it's failure. It's a complete failure. It's not a success. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, under Bratton, during de Blasio, de Blasio is a fucking moron, right? De Blasio was the stupidest person alive. But, I mean, second stupidest person alive. I think Eric Adams has a beat. But, uh, fucking, so... We had the second stupidest mayor, uh, Bill de Blasio, running the job, right? We were already in a financial crisis, but Bratton gets him to work on police facilities, right? So they get all this funding to do like a pet program to to make these locker rooms beautiful, right? You know, obviously, you're not gonna, you can't just go to 99 places and make beautiful locker rooms, right? It would cost billions of dollars. Um, but they go around and they upgrade these locker rooms and some of the precincts you go in there and they're not like locker rooms like when me and you got on the job like you said flooded you know you got to keep your shit high there's roaches everywhere there's fucking who the fuck knows you know what i mean there's homeless people living in the basement down there like it's not it's not like fucking it's not like when me and you so now some of these police precincts have beautiful lockers but the roof's leaking so we did a multi-million dollar project to put in a new locker room, which is great. And these guys got new lockers, which is good. They're not in these deplorable conditions. And we got a whole new police academy, not like the police academy me and you were in, right? Like bunched together, you know, fucking sweating on top of each other. They didn't have room to get changed. Um, it's good. But you, we, we put money into a fucking locker room, but we have no money to fix the roof that's leaking, which is going to damage the locker room that we just built. I mean incompetence. It's 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 ridiculous. And then you talk about you have facilities like PSA two. It's not even a repairable facility. Like you said, they have a, a main waste shit pipe coming through. I believe it's in the locker room or in the gym. I don't remember where it is. So they, they literally have no place to work out. You're breathing in human feces. God only knows what else is down in there. Um and the, the city, it's its literally like the, the police department can't even repair it because it's technically NYCHA property. I mean, these people shouldn't be working there. They should get, they should get pulled out of there. They should get pulled out of there. They should get a whole new facility. And there are there are multiple facilities like that in New York City. I mean, the 5th Precinct, you know, they, they have this whole thing where they're going to go green. They're going to put electric cars. Where the fuck are you charging an electric car in the 5th Precinct? It's a townhouse that was built in 1865, attached on both sides in Chinatown. There's not even parking for one RMP. Where are you charging an electric car in the 5th Precinct? Oh, but we're going to put car charges in every precinct. Point and shoot. It's incompetence. I do think that Pat Lynch or any of the unions, I think it's above them. I think this really goes on to, I think this goes on to the police leadership and the elected. This goes on to your voting. I think he could advocate better for these facilities, like PSA 2. It's a horrible facility. Like I said, I think that was the worst facility I've ever been in. Roaches, rats, fucking shit, shit water leaking down, um, uniforms getting destroyed. God only knows what you're breathing in daily. God only knows the effects of that on people, you know? Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a horrible thing, you know, it's, it's uh, so that, that, you know, again, this is another, 
this is another like it's just I, I don't see anything on here that that has happened I, like literally and then the last point is actively support members in the face of controversy and crisis and institute proactive PR campaign to gain to gain uh, public respect and confidence. So he's out there with you know, and he, and, he, and he portrays a good message, I think, to the public somewhat. Like, but that's bullshit. I mean, anybody could go out there and yell and say whatever they want, but actively support members in the face of controversy and crisis. Sal Greco vaccine mandate. Silent, silent, and suicides. Suicides, silent. Silent, you know, and and the stuff that 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 creates the suicides, the things that happen, you know, when people get injured, the way they're treated when they're sick, the way they're treated when they have things go on in their family, and there are people that get taken care of on this job. There are people, but I was I you know I like I my house got destroyed in Sandy. I didn't I worked the whole time. I didn't work from home like most guys did. I was a newly promoted sergeant. Fucking nobody gave a fuck that my whole house was destroyed. My wife just gave birth to my first daughter. She was pregnant again. My first daughter I had issues with. I mean, the amount of stress that I was under at that time, and I couldn't even get a fucking day off. I was working my regular tour, going to Coney Island after. I don't have a fucking place to live. My house is destroyed. Um... And I'm hearing all these stories. Oh, this job's great. Yeah, I'm assigned to my house and I'm working here and I'm getting paid. I was like, oh, that's fucking nice. That's fucking nice. You know, like, so it's, you know, it's, and, and, you know, where, where were they at that time? I mean, I, and then even, you know, I have, oh, we're, we're helping people out, the PBA running around, the LBA and the SBA running around to their friends' houses and people that they wanted to help out. High profile people will go take fucking photo shoots, but nobody fucking came to my house. You know, nobody came, nobody helped me with anything with that whole fucking time, you know? So, uh, and, and that was a stressful fucking time. And there are people that are going through way worse than that. And they're left out in the fucking cold. And then you see other guys. It's like, oh, you know, he's got some issues at home. So we're going to hook him up. We're going to give him a great schedule. We're going to give him all the time. We're going to do this. You know, it's not consistent. You know, it's really, it's really not consistent. Um, and and again, I think the mental health on this job is suffering greatly because they really don't feel that they have a voice to go to. They really don't. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's just getting worse and worse, deteriorating. And the response that the police department had in response to the suicides, especially when it was it was at a climatical effort. To try to try to do something. I mean, we we just I think it was about three years ago, right? We had a rampant amount of suicides, and the response was was a video. That, that's not the response. It's it's a peer council. That's great that some cops have volunteered in each precinct to be a peer council to help their peers. But in many cases, the police officers or anyone on this job is not going to disclose how they're feeling that they want to commit suicide because of the stigma that's going to be behind them. I mean, yes. is that someone that you want to talk to? It's, it's, there's always a stigma there, and right away, it, you know, it, it's be, it's tough being a cop. That's what the public doesn't understand. You can't have a normal day. You couldn't walk into a precinct and slam the door and say, ah, ah fuck my wife, I, you know, the shit that she's giving. You can't talk like a normal person because then someone's going to say, ah, is that person suicidal? Is that person, you know, and there's a stigma on you. So, we have to find a better outlet. We have to find a better way to help our cops. Uh, you know, I think Papa does a great, great uh, 
Papa's great organization, and they teach cops of how to interact with people if they want to commit suicide. And one of the things they teach you, which people don't know, is you actually have to ask someone, hey, do you want to hurt yourself? Do you want to kill yourself? You have to actually ask these questions. So people have taught to you. So we have to ask questions. But unfortunately, people don't want to disclose this information because it's stigma. So we have to, the department has to start supporting cops to ask other cops how they're feeling and not make a stigma and not feel that we have to remove them right away from the position that, that, that they're in, maybe being closely monitored, but actually help them, help them by giving them more time off and getting them involved. We need our police officers to be more involved in, in hobbies that, or that also correlate with work. It can't just be work, work, work. It has to be, you have to work. Police officers need hobbies outside. Police department can't just be your life. So maybe that's why I think the PBA should have some funding where they fund police officers that they can go take part in trips or organizations together so that they have outlets, you know, so yeah. to, to feel better. Or maybe it's organizations where they go and talk and, and there's no stigma on them. But it can't just be about work. We, we need to really help these guys, you know, Democrats love to use this word about reimagining. Well, we have to reimagine how we treat our police officers, but we actually have to have a solution. You can't just say we'll reimagine, but we don't have a solution. Reimagine, and I think one way is is five day work week. We need really, really, you know, Pat was talking about this. We need to change the work schedule. We need it to come down to a three or four day week because they're working so many hours. If you're working a five day work week and you're at work 15, 16 hours a day and you're commuting an hour, two hours of each way, you have no time for your family. You're under immense stress. You're burning out. You're burning out both sides of the candles. You're not working out. You're not eating right. These are all contributing factors for your health. Your mental health and your physical health has to go together. So I do think this should be. I think in the police department, there should be physical fitness tests every year. I think every year you should run, pull-ups, do some type of bench press, because then you would have a goal. You know I have to pass this test, so I have to watch what I eat. I have to exercise. But these things have to be implemented in a better schedule. Also, part of the schedule, we have to give police officers more time to work out, to have a shower. But they don't have time because we're so short-staffed. Most police officers don't even get an actual meal I don't know if the public knows that, but I remember I, I, so many times I wouldn't get a meal. I would sacrifice. I would just always eat on the run because I wanted to be out there and help my cops. I, I didn't think it was fair that they didn't have a meal. Why should I? But we need that time. You need that time to decompress. I mean, you and I were just talking about how people in other countries, how they live longer because they have naps during the day. They have time to decompress. And, and unfortunately, the society that, you know, a societal norm for us is constantly work, 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 work. But we're burning both sides of the candles. The mental and physical aspect was together. We have to find ways to alleviate the suicide, especially in the police department where the morale is so low and there's so much oversight. And here you are, you're talking about body cameras. Body cameras is a whole another big picture. I mean, body cameras change the police department. We actually have people on the job now that have new jobs because of the body cameras. We have a whole risk management full of attorneys and federal oversight with the body cameras. So they should be way more paid for that. That's part of, I do think that the body cameras are contributing factor to the low morale and potentially suicide because now you can't, you have to be an actor all day at work. You can't even be a normal person. You can't have that time in the car, that, that, that outlet, you know, when you would sit in the car with the guys and break each other's balls and joke and, and call each other names because it's healthy. But we can't do that right now with the body cameras because now everybody's afraid you're going to hit it by accident. Now you're caught recording something that wasn't appropriate, but it's appropriate for the car because it's an album. We need to be human again.
that, that and, and Pat Lynch has to stand up and, and he he doesn't all he does is fight the contracts, but it shouldn't just be about contracts. And the contracts are going no, you have to fight for your police officers, fight for their health. Yeah, I mean I mean there's so much wrong that I think contributes to suicide. I think the schedule is big, but even if you can't get a twelve hour tour or four day a week, I mean I don't see why we cannot guarantee guys two days off. I just, I just don't understand that. I don't like. We know every parade that's going to happen a year prior. You know, I understand in the case of an emergency incident, in a case of like a, an extreme emergency, like hey, the city's on lockdown, we're having fucking riots, we need you guys to work. I understand at that point you got to come in. You know, um, that doesn't happen often. You know, 9-11, uh, uh, Hurricane Sandy, you know, uh, those things don't happen often. The the, uh, the riots and, you know, the, the, the riots of 2020, these aren't. But like what, what happens in the police department is you work your five days, you're getting up to your last day. And it's like, here it is. It's your last day. You're about to walk out the door. Here you go, guys. Here's your notification working this weekend. And you have some jerk off bosses that never go to details because they're fucking cowards. And they never go to details. They make sure they're in charge of the details. So they make sure that they give it out so that they never have to go themselves. And they actually enjoy fucking people's weekend. And it's like, you know what? You had plans with your wife. You had plans with your girlfriend. You were going to go away. You, you can't even book a fucking room. I mean, for years and years, the way that I defeated that mentally is I never made plans. I wouldn't make plans. So I'm sure my wife hated my guts for that, but I just, that was the only way I could do it. I couldn't book something for the weekend and then comes my fucking, when I'm supposed to swing out and bam, Oh, guess what? You're working this weekend. I mean, those things, I mean, that is fucked up that like you only time you could plan your life is around your scheduled vacation because the days you're supposed to have off, whether it even be to go away or do something or just fucking relax, get stripped of you constantly. Constantly. I remember one time it was my good friend's wedding. I had to do – I did a midnight. I had to wrap into a midnight. Right right into the midnight, I had to go to the Puerto Rican Day Parade. And after the Puerto Rican Day Parade, I had to go back into a midnight. So I couldn't go to my friend's wedding. I couldn't get a day off, so I had to do – I worked a midnight tour. When I was done with my midnight tour, I went directly to the Puerto Rican Day Parade where I spent 17 hours on my feet. Immediately after the midnight tour – immediately after the Puerto Rican Day Parade, I went right back to work and did another midnight tour. I mean, I, I, I was physically sick. I was throwing up, and I was like – I was physically sick to my stomach because I hadn't slept in fucking – over, I think it was like over four days, and then I was wired, and I only had a few hours to sleep after that midnight tour, and I had to get back to work for the next midnight. And I'm like, and this happens often, and there are times, you know, UN, uh, UNGA, West Indian Day Parade, that whole weekend you're working 18, 19 hours, hours a day. I mean, anyone that thinks that, that that's normal and, and people could deal with that consistently on a regular basis. And by the way, everything in New York City, every month, every day, every weekend, there are events all over the place that require police to be there. So you're, and you don't know about them until the last minute. 
And so, like, that's, I mean, I think that weighs heavily on a lot of people. I know it fucked me up. I know, but the way I defeated it was, I was like, hey, I can't make plans unless it's my schedule of vacation pick. And that was the only way I could do to, to keep it normal. You know, um, and and thank God I had a wife who was understanding and didn't care because I'm sure I'm sure that you have uh, men and women uh, who and their partners don't understand it. They're not cops. And they're like, I don't get this. I can't fucking we can't go away for the weekend. We can't you can't tell me if you're going to go to my my mother's surprise 60th birthday party. You can't go to your friend's bachelor party. You can't do this. You can't do that. Oh, babe, I don't know if I could go. We have to schedule our daughter's christening around my vacation picks because I can't guarantee that I'm going to be off to fucking do it, to be there. Normal people don't understand that. Normal people don't understand that. Well said, brother. That's so true. I'm with you. I said the same thing. I never made plans. It's not normal. That's why, you know, when people say, oh, you're so lucky you retired for 20 years. Hey, this is dog years. We do 30, 40 years and 20 years. It's dog years. You never have a holiday. You never have a weekend. You don't have a normal life. You never have a normal schedule. You never sleep properly. And when you do finally get a chance to sleep, it's it's like you're, you're, you're knocked out. And you, you don't even sleep normal. People don't understand. This is not a normal 20 years. It, it's dog years. I, I'm sure you probably agree. I say if you got five years on the job, it's like we had 12 years somewhere else. It's dog years. It really is. You, you're constantly working. It's it just... It's a tall commitment. It's a lifestyle. I used to never make plans because I didn't, I didn't want to let anyone down. I kind of just gave up on holidays. And and, that, and that's how I function. I, I agree with you uh, 100%. It takes a strong woman or man at home, whatever you have at home, a significant other, uh, to, to really support you. I mean, that's why I used to always say, I, you know, I used to encourage, you know, it, it, some of the cops. And they would tell me, oh, they got a new girlfriend. And, She's a cop. And I said, listen, that's great. At least she understands what you're doing. Or you, you both got both got pensions. Because uh, it's tough if you're a cop and you're, you're with someone who, who doesn't understand the law enforcement world, particularly the NYPD. It can weigh heavily on your relationship. And, and in most cases, they just don't last because of that. It's unfortunate. So but hats off. Your wife sounds like a tough lady, especially <laughs> all the jokes you make. You, make. you got me laughing on it. It's great. <laughs> No, but it's 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 just it's it's just it is what it is, you know. And and listen, I you know I was a supervisor for a long time, like you. I I never took meal either, because I was like, first of all, I didn't even feel that I I could relax enough to take the meal, right? I have all these people out, radios jumping off, my guys are out there. I wasn't just gonna go take all my shit off and feel lotty dotty like everything's okay and I could fucking relax because I passed the test. I actually felt the I felt it opposite. I, I as a supervisor, I never took a meal. I didn't take a meal as a cop, but I really but I, I could have as a cop. And I could have had a clear head go inside for a little bit. As a supervisor, I couldn't go and relax on a clear head. And even at details, I was always out there, oh boss, go relax, go do this. I couldn't. I just couldn't do it. Like I'm not doing my job, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do by doing that. So I really feel like the supervisor rank is even, you know, if if you're a, a conscientious, competent person, it's even more demanding on you. Um, and, and so I I never did that. And then you know I you know I was a supervisor, so I had to give people details too, right? And a lot of times I found. There are a lot of privileged people on this job. You hit them with a detail and they're going insane. They're going nuts. Boss, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I and I felt bad for them. But at the same time, I was like, 
No one ever okay. fucking felt bad for me. So I was like, well, wh what job yeah. have you been on? What job have you been on for the last 18 years? I mean, because every fucking weekend I'm working and I never fucking complain about it. Um, you know, and I never complain about it. And uh, I'm like, and, you know, and I would say like, you know, you must have had a fucking privileged career because I, I never I don't make plans. I said, I don't make plans. I said, it's one thing I hate about this job, but I don't make plans. There's nothing I can do for you. It is what it is. Fucking, you know, if you don't show up to the detail, I got to give you a fucking CD. There's nothing I can tell you. You know, and, 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 and I'm sure people are like, oh, that's, uh, this guy's a jerk off. And I felt like a jerk off, but it is what it is. I mean, that's the, the nature of the beast. I'm like, how can I get you out of a system that I'm entrapped in and I'm ensnared in? You know what I mean? And like, this is how I've done to defeat. I remember, I remember when I think I had nine years on and I had been to Juve for nine straight years. And I had been to New Year's for nine straight New Year's. And I had worked 4th of July for nine straight 4th of Julys. And I remember going to Juve with this cop and he goes to me, I never did this before. And we came out together. And I was like, what? And he goes, I never did this detail before. I was like, wait, why? How do you, what do you mean you never did this detail before? He's like, I never did it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, what are you mad at? I was like, I come here every fucking year. I was like, this is this is one of my favorite weekends to go down the beach. I never do it. And, and it's true. I haven't. Uh, uh, the time that I got to go down the beach for Labor Day is when <laughs> this job fucking made, gave me an ultimatum. And I fucking was like, fuck you. That next day was my fucking first Labor Day I ever had off. My first 4th of July I ever had off. My first New Year's that I ever had off. Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, I was, I was like flabbergasted when he said that to me. And he's like, dude, what are you mad about? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I mad about? Like, why? What, so, so other people have it differently than I do. And that's the case, you know? Um, I'm like fucking <laughs> like it's it's infuriating. It really is. Like it's it's infuriating when you think about it. You know. Oh oh. So I'm not the only I'm the, I'm the only jerk off that does all this shit. You know. You know? I never understood that either. I went to all the details. I went to West Indian Parade every year, Juve at night. I always worked Halloween. You know, and then Halloween, you get guys yeah. like that. Guys who said this. I remember that too. Guys, like, I never worked West Indian Parade. Like, what? Like like. <laughs> that's a Super Bowl for, for, for NYPD. Like, if you don't wear the West Indian Parade, like, you don't know what it is for the craziest day of your life. West Indian Parade is by far the craziest day that anybody can wear. And you have to experience that. Everybody has to do it. So that's great. Especially the 20 hours on your feet. You're working at night. Next thing you know, you're working through the whole entire day. It's the people at the next night who come relieve you. It's crazy. You're on your feet, just exhausted. You're, like, you're obliterated. Yeah, that was uh, everybody has to do that one. Yeah. I did it every year. Nuts. So, I mean, <laughs> all right. So that was a little history lesson right there. I think that was good. Um, Me too. You know, um, I think that was good. That was a good history lesson. We're gonna keep going back and we'll keep tying it into the present. Uh, we got a lot more stuff on the contracts coming. We got a lot of different things coming. Um. We're gonna do. We're gonna break down Eric Adams' blueprint for gun violence. We're gonna see exactly what's taking place on that. That'll probably be on next. Uh, we got a couple of we got a couple of people coming on companies that are gonna tell you about the, what they're doing. Um, so you know, appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you guys listening, Eric. If you want to end off, 
All right, dude, this was good. It's a lot of information. I hope the cops are listening to this. Your pension should be important. Your union members that represent you have to be important. Your morale is important. The conditions that work are important. These are all things that you should start asking, and you should write them down and say, what do you want that's better for yourself? Hold your union members accountable. Ask your delegates questions. When they get annoyed, you should ask yourself why they get annoyed. All right, two people get annoyed for two different reasons. One, they're either lazy, or they're two, they're incompetent. So if you have to ask yourself, when you ask a question and they don't want to answer you, is it because they're lazy and don't care about you or is it because they're incompetent? It's probably a little bit of both, but probably more leads to the side of that they're incompetent, okay? And like John said, they're supposed to be information gatherers. Make sure that they bring the information back to you, that you can listen, what's going on with your unit, how it affects you. It's very important. And you should ask yourself this. If the unit is not helping you, why are you paying dues? Those dues that you pay... All right, all the dues that the entire police department pays comes out to about 1.2 a month, 1.2 million a month. So they're investing that money, they're making interest. The union members and trustees are living a great quality of life that you are. They should be working for you. You should ask yourself how they're helping you. It's not just about money. All right, contracts are important. Without the PBA, the contracts will still be negotiated. All right, eventually they have to pay you. You should ask yourself, how is the union members fighting for you so you get a better working condition where your precincts a better location? How do you get better working conditions in your car, your commute? What does it cost of you to get to work to or from? Are you working too many hours? These are questions you should ask. You should want not just money in your pocket because you, if you could, have, it's great if you have money in your pocket, but if you're never home and you don't have a good quality of life. How are you going to spend it and to enjoy it? I remember working in the Bronx with so many guys that would get these houses way upstate, Orange County, almost bordering Pennsylvania. It would take them almost two hours to get to work. They're working 14, 15 hours a day for a house that they would never see. Doing more overtime. You're doing more overtime. You're paying more in taxes if you have children out there from an ex, ex, ex-wife or ex-husband and you're paying child support. Think about yourself also. You have to have better conditions. You have to have stuff at work that's for you, not just money. There's more to, to just money, okay? There's also other things that go along with that. So, John, thank you so much for doing this with me. It's a great history lesson. We are going to give you the truth. We're not going to give you bullshit. You want to hear bullshit? Listen to another podcast. Like John said, everyone wants to come out and do a podcast. And, and as you said to, to that sergeant, to, uh, Tommy, how do you say, Gambadella? How do you say the last name? Yeah, Gambadella. Yeah. He's let me tell you something. He said exactly what I hear in the locker room. I heard in the locker room constantly. Everybody said, when I get out, I'm gonna say fuck you. I'm gonna tell this one. I'm gonna take a shit on the desk. I'm gonna do and yet none of you do any of it. And when this guy gets out and he actually takes a stand.